This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be found on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Game Talk, the show. By the Barnabinium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown, Carolina! Touchdown, Ace Sanders! Pressure! Penny just dives in! Thirty-nine point six seconds left. Beautiful. Perfect. Beautiful. 
three-point lead and a chance to ice Four seconds left. He does. He got them both. Connect to midcourt. Two seconds left. Connect all alone. Let the three go. It's no good. And you can put Spurs on this one. South Carolina takes down number five, Tennessee. Handing the Bulls their first home loss of the season. You gotta rank them now, people. Thunder. Feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. thunder, thunder. Top of the broadcast, you asked me, is South Carolina in that upper tier to win the SEC title? I said, I don't think they're up there with Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn. They're sitting there saying, hey, why not us? If you don't respect them now, you never will. Yeah, if you don't respect him now, what are you waiting on? Dane Bradshaw with the line of the night to end the broadcast on the SEC Network. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show. Live always from the Signorama Studios. They are the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics located in West Columbia. They hang the pretty stuff that you see when you walk into Colonial Life Arena. And I got a feeling... Less than a week from now, when the Rebels come to town, that place is going to be packed to the gills with what this Gamecock basketball program is doing. So you'll get a good look at Sinorama and their work. Built by the Barn Dominium Company, the Barndo Co. is what they're called in four states, the Carolinas, Georgia, and in Tennessee, where last night Rocky Top was toppled by Carolina basketball. And we all had a nice glass of chicken cock bourbon before we took an eight-hour nap and got up today to celebrate and continue to watch this program do what they're doing here uh, in the uh, in the beginning to get to the late stages of 23-24. Today is the final day of the month of January, and your South Carolina Gamecocks are sitting there at 18-3, and and they're sitting very close to the top of the league, just a half game behind Alabama at 6-2 and as they head to Athens, Georgia this weekend. Athens tonight is where Alabama will be playing basketball. So this is all going to kind of tie itself in. But Derek Scott spoke with him a little bit last night, had a heck of a call on the Gamecock Sports Network. And that is a couple of big ones in the last seven days. On the radar now, they were shafted out of the top 25, at least many thought they were. And based on a lot of the national dudes' comments over the last, say, 14 hours or so, uh, they agree. But they also all agree that next week you'll see him in the top 25. Dane Bradshaw called the game. He's joining JC, Phil, and myself. Now, we're, of course, here till 2 o'clock. We're not going to keep Dane until 2, although we'd love to do that. But he was excellent on the broadcast on the SEC Network. He's one of the fine voices of college basketball. I texted him that last night and told him, really appreciate what he does for the, for the entire sport. Mike Morgan connected us, and we are so glad to have you today, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate the uh, compliment. I don't know if you mean it or you just needed a guess, but, um, you know, it, you warm me up good. How could I say no? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty good at buttering it up around here. Yeah. You know? No, I'm just kidding, man. No, no, you, you are fantastic. There's a reason why you why why they have you do it. Um, so here's the thing, actually. The University of South Carolina might look into putting you on the payroll because you've been courtside the last two Tuesdays. So don't change anything. Are you going right. to call the? Are you calling the game next week when Ole Miss is in town? 
I, I don't have them, but uh, I guess uh, I, I'm sure there, there could be some influence if, if uh, the Gamecock fans really wanted me on there. And, and look, it's uh, it's not quite up there with the, the quarter zip trend or anything like that. So you guys have your own, uh, you know, good luck charm. But no, there's there's nothing to do with me on the call. It's been awesome to, to see it firsthand. I, I thought yesterday's game was it was um will be even more rewarding for South Carolina to do it on the road, of course, against Tennessee. And, and I, I still think Tennessee, um, you know, could, could win the league. And I, I actually think Tennessee, well, we'll see what happens Saturday between them and Kentucky. It's kind of a week-to-week league. But I, I just, I think Tennessee, the win over Tennessee, not only um, I think Tennessee could be a be- better team at the end of the year than Kentucky, but also doing it on the road. It wasn't as kind of sexy of a game and, and entertaining. It was just ugly, sloppy, missed layups mm-hmm. by Tennessee, fouls and all that stuff. But man, uh, and you, you didn't have the, you know, the stuff that you're going to put on your billboards and media guides of the court storming. But all in all, it, it was more impressive for their resume and more impactful than than even the win against Kentucky. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm with you. I've got a lot of respect for Tennessee. Rick Barnes has worn three different shades of orange in his career, and he's been unbelievable everywhere he's been. Dane, as you well know, I know, I know you know him. He's an outstanding basketball coach. Yeah. Um, I, I, we just had a clip uh, coming into the the program here after our open, and it was something that you said at the end of the call last night about you know guys, you know, I you, Tom Hart had asked you a question earlier in the game, and you said you know Kentucky, Bama, Auburn, Tennessee, those are the teams that kind of are that upper tier, but. It's it's hard now at this point in time. You're eight games into the year, Dane. I want to press you on that a little bit yeah. and see where the Gamecocks fall because they just keep proving it, but they're but they're proving it th- with their style of play. They're making people play their brand of basketball. Yeah, and and when you look at who can win the league, um, I, I don't know that anybody's going to maybe go 15 and three this year, but but maybe 14 and four. Uh, it'd be a stretch, 13 and five. I guess you could possibly tie so that that's if i had to go back on i'd say look i think south carolina can beat anybody in this league uh will they win the league at the end of the day i'm still not sure but man it does you sit there and see what they've done and 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 that's kind of where it's like well why not them and it it takes you a while to come around to it because they lack some of the star power and you're like all right they can beat anybody but anybody can beat them too Uh, but hey they've got more going right with them than they do wrong and um i think they've clearly have an identity cooper's been tremendous at point guard i mean he's he's just like having a um you know just a veteran out there it's like you know sending the responsible older brother off to the store with the kids like you you know he's going to be in charge and everything's going to be okay like having an extra parent out there And, and i've just I really have gotten uh, uh, my my admiration for Lamont Paris has continued to to grow even last year. Just the confidence he has in his system. By no means any any arrogance. Just uh, there's zero insecurity about that guy and what they do. And I, I've played uh, when I was at Tennessee. I had two different coaches. One under Buzz Peterson, and then uh, two years into it, Bruce Pearl came. And and there were times when we were changed early on, we were changing our identity and, you know, all of a sudden the players aren't bought in as much when you're when you're trying to do something different every other game. And but Lamont Parrish has such belief in his system and what they've been able to do at Wisconsin, how it worked in Chattanooga 
and uh, zero panic at all when they weren't having the year they wanted. Like some young coaches would do, and say, "God, we got to get, we we got to get the best players available and just get, you know, get rich quick." It's like, no, we, we'll take we'll take some basketball players over athletes, and that can have a lot of success in the SEC, where it's easy to fall into the trap of getting the best athletes available versus basketball players. Yeah, Dane, Dane, you've watched a lot of. So I got I got two questions for you. Uh, and the first one, you, you've watched South Carolina through the years, and, and this program, with the exception of one magical March in 2017, has struggled. Um, Tennessee's had what, five different coaches, and it seems like they're always cycling back up uh, during the, this last period. For a program like that, it's, it's just kind of stuck, that, that hasn't really had sustained success since the 70s. Mm-hmm. Becoming a – and I'm not saying they're going to emulate Wisconsin, but becoming kind of that special preparation, gosh, you know, this guy, the, the difference with these guys, they win because of their system, you know, becoming yeah. that kind of program, uh, is that a smart move? Uh, you know, when you when you consider everything and, and that they've tried a lot of different stuff. Uh, and, you know, and Frank Martin, when he was here, his defense, frankly, was special prep. But I, I think the difference is Lamont's got the offense working kind of in conjunction with it, even so it's one fluid kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, do you think that was smart, you know, for South Carolina to head in that direction to say, hey, look, you know, we may not always right now get the best players in the country, but we can have one of the best systems and have one of the better teams by doing this. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great point. The first team that comes to mind really is, is Tony Bennett in Virginia. Uh, you know, the way he came into the ACC yeah. and said, look, we can't just try to do what the other teams are able to do with, with their elite talent and their recruiting. And so that system changed everything for Virginia to where that sustained success is there. And so when you go outside of the league, that's the first example I'm, I think of inside the SEC. Um, you look at Nate Oates at Alabama, you look at Bruce Pearl at, at Auburn, and you start to see some of these non-traditional basketball schools that are all of a sudden commonplace in the top 25 now and we keep going back to that sustained success success phrase but it's it's not always just got to be the arkansas florida kentucky um tennessee like you know because that's a good basketball job it it gets a quicker recovery at times when you have the coaching turnover Uh, but I, i think there's just great evidence there um from places like alabama and auburn where you never thought of them as basketball schools but you look up after the last five years and by all means, they certainly are. And, and so why can't South Carolina do that? And if anything, I think uh, Lamont Paris is going to not only bring greater talent in, he's just got to be careful of making sure they, they fit what he does. And I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to get greedy because sometimes these coaches get success early on and all of a sudden they can start getting players they ordinarily couldn't get. And then they get them and they're like, oh, gosh, it doesn't really <laughs> fit what we do. Um, yep. And so, but I don't see that being an issue. Yeah, speaking of coaches, Chris Beard is off to a. Have you have you had Ole Miss at all this year? Uh, have I have. Got, I had him one time. Yeah. Tell tell us about the rest because Gamecocks have two games coming up. Kind of that's kind of the twofer in February for Carolina. Is Ole Miss they haven't played them yet? They're eighteen and three as well, and won a big game against their rival last night. Great give game. us your opinion on Ole Miss because I mean yeah. I, it's kind of silly, and I've always thought Chris Beard was one of the best coaches in America. Bar, bar none, you know. Yeah. Um, but what what are they like, you know, just from, from your standpoint? And and help me, I don't have South Carolina scheduled. You you guys have them at home or on the road? Yeah, next it's, Tuesday it's, at home. It's, yeah. it's yeah, two, next good. Tuesday at home, but but then they go to Oxford in a couple of weeks. It's okay. kind of like kind of like you know 
two weeks and you know you have those teams you play one week and then two weeks later yeah. you're back because I do I think Ole Miss is a team that that uh, they're they're good but they're they're great at home uh, really good and they yeah. had a record crowd last night um, so the energy's there um, I had um, Chris Beard as my preseason SEC coach of the year for a couple reasons one as you alluded to he can coach his butt off number two. The guys that were return, returning, the, the cupboard was not bare at, at Ole Miss. It didn't mean they had a ton of guys returning, but they had some key elements there. When you look at Brakefield and Matthew Morrell, and they were well coached. Kermit Davis did a good job down there. They had some injuries go against them. They didn't win as many close games as they would like, but it wasn't like he had, and Chris Beard will tell you this. He goes, look, I didn't come in here and have to try to, you know, teach effort and tell guys how to, you know, dive on the floor for a loose ball and go after rebounds. That That wasn't a problem. And so... Um, for those reasons, I, I'm, I'm not totally surprised at, at how well he is doing down there. And, um, you know, they, they've got good guard play. The kid Murray comes from St. Peter's. He was part of that um, historic St. Peter's team that uh, made that NCAA run. He's he's kind of just an undersized underdog point guard that can make big shots, but has that confidence to him. Different than Cooper, plays with a little bit more burst to him and, and, um, and can be a little bit more up and down. But, gosh, they, they play with a lot of confidence. Two seven-footers, some great rim protection. Um, but, look, they're, they're, I had them when they went to Tennessee. They, they were undefeated. Uh, they got blown out by Tennessee. But at that time, I thought it was more about how good Tennessee can be rather than, hey, the, Ole Miss is a fluke. I didn't think that was the case. I thought Ole Miss just walked into a tough environment um, where Tennessee was hitting on all cylinders. So, um, they've had a couple up and ups and downs, but I think uh, Ole Miss is is going to be on the right side of the bubble when it's all said and done. That voice you hear is Dane Bradshaw of the SEC Network joining us here on Inside the Gamecocks. It's eleven seventeen, the final day of January. We're about to turn the page to the stretch run for this league and see where this sucker uh, winds up. I'll, I'll kind of slide back to the Gamecocks in just a second, but playing off of uh, JC's questions, kind of dancing around the SEC a little bit. How deep is this league, uh, in your in your opinion, compared to to years past? Um, you, you, we've talked about the upper echelon, but boy, the middle class sure is sure is big, isn't it? It is, and you've had some uh, some pleasant surprises and not so pleasant. I, I think you most of us came into the year thinking uh, Missouri would be right there. They've had some injuries and not having the year they expected to have. Arkansas um, is is a little bit lost right now, which I think is, is being kind. And, but you've had these nice surprises with teams like South Carolina, um, like Ole Miss and gosh, how about Chris Jans um, year two? He's got his team maybe going back to back NCAA tournaments. It's probably the least talked about great coaching job out there. And so, yeah, the, the depth is, is real, you know, going into this and LSU's played better um, here as of late. And so, yeah. but when we entered conference play, this is, kind of an outdated statement but when we entered conference play i thought you know what there i'm not saying 12 teams are making the ncaa tournament but 12 out of 14 felt like hey we got a chance to to still meet our goal of making the ncaa tournament usually you have a lot more poor non-conference situations where you go all right boy those guys aren't any good they got they got they're gonna have to beat kentucky at rup and they're gonna have to go on the road and win at tennessee if they want to have any shot at improving the resume but that wasn't the case with the sec they schedule hard um they're winning some of those uh, tough non-conference games and now you enter the conference play 
and man, it just seems like quad one win after opportunity after another. And that's what the NCAA gives the most credence to. Um, their selection is, you know, how many quad one uh, games and wins did you have? And to have that opportunity night in, night out, um, it can look like a, um, a bloodbath on your schedule. But hey, you want to go to the big dance, and that's what everybody's playing for. The more opportunities you get, the better. And that just, as you guys know, wasn't always the case um, in the SEC, and it's it's been a turn for the better in the past 10 years. Now, to back up your comments, of the five remaining road games that the Gamecocks have, depending on what happens tonight in Athens with the dogs in the tide, all five could be quad one opportunities. Right now, four of the five are. Georgia's knocking on the door of making it a, a quad one chance uh, for South Carolina when they walk into Stegman this weekend. I want to quickly ask you this, too, about Dal- Dalton Connect. I mean, this guy is unbelievable, Dane. He's yeah. He's going to the NBA, and he's got all the tools, and he's going to play a long time up there. Um, he's an elite scorer, at least as fluid and mature of a basketball player from an offensive standpoint I can remember uh, in this league and, and how he kind of takes it all on his shoulders. He goes out and, and just just does his thing. I, I understand last night listening to the broadcast, he's such a gym rat, um, which is really yeah. neat to hear. But – the question I want to ask you is, in particular, with the Vols, he's had a hell of a run here of six straight games. He's had a hell of a season, but this this run of six straight games, you just yeah. put points up all over the place. Do, do you feel like the rest of the group is just kind of waiting around for him to make something happen, and they're just kind of all in slow motion? That's kind of what it felt like to me, and maybe I'm way off here, but it just felt like if he wasn't going to do it, there wasn't really anybody who was going to take the bull by the horns to do it. Yeah, no, I agree. And Rick Barnes said something similar in his post game. He said, look, we, we can't just sit around and watch Dalton. And I felt that way. And now I didn't think Dalton Connect would uh, end the game as well as he did. Because my point was, hey, the, the supporting cast is going to have to make some shots if they want a chance to come back. And, and lo and behold, he almost brought him back on his own. But that's not sustainable. Um, and, and briefly, there, there's other guys in the league averaging 20. You look at Antonio Reeves, Mark Sears. But the way Dalton Connect is doing it with some of these scoring outbursts and, and whether it's on the road or at home, to me, he, he's just in another category right now in terms of SEC player of the year. And I don't know if he can sustain this, but anything close to it, um, it it's it's not just how many points he's scoring, but how he's doing it, when he's doing it, in the biggest moments um, and when their back's against the wall. But uh, this is a Tennessee team that has had has had fragile offensive confidence before Dalton Connect got there. And they but when Dalton wasn't there, Vescovy Ziegler, they had to just try to shoot their way out of it. And now with Connect being there, I, I do think it's some of all right, well, tonight's not our night. Let's just let, let Dalton do his thing. And and there's a big balance there because you do say, hey, get number three the ball as many times as you can. And then there's also, you know, kind of sitting around and watching. And, and I, I don't think that's what Tennessee wants. And I'm sure it's going to be addressed in their film room. No, and Rick Barnes, it absolutely will be. As it pertains to this group here that we cover, it, it Talon Cooper, as you as you mentioned, uh, Derek Scott, our, our man Derek, uh, the voice of the game guys, calls it old man basketball. It's like playing playing ball against your against your old man, your dad. Yeah. You know, you're like, I'm younger, I'm more athletic. How do you keep kicking my rear end every time yeah. we step on the floor? And, th- and that's Talon. He, he clearly he's the heartbeat of this team. At the same time, Dan, I mean, last night, Studi comes back. He's been out. Um, one of the, We talked to Derek yesterday. One of the questions we had about Miles was where would they pick and choose to put him in the game because things really have been clicking with him not in there. I don't mean that disrespectfully. Mm-hmm. I just meant sometimes yeah. I don't want to mess with 
He's well, right. Consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And then he comes in last night, didn't miss a shot. Uh, he hits those free throws at the end. He confidently let the 20,000 folks in there know that he wasn't going to miss anymore. Um, but it just seems night in and night out, whether it's Studi or Josh Gray has all of a sudden come out of nowhere in the last couple of weeks and arrived. You've got Colin Murray Boyles. You got Zach Davis. You got Jacoby Wright. Somebody every night is stepping up and doing something that they need them to do to win basketball games. How, how do you explain? What do you see when you watch this entire group play from that selflessness, self, you know, unselfish game of right. basketball, like the way that they do it? And, and when you have a balanced team like this and the depth that they have, it's stating the obvious, but but you're best when everybody contributes. And and that's what South Carolina has right now. And it might not be just things to jumping off the stat sheet, but Josh Gray, hey, did he hold his own against some good big men for Tennessee? He more than held his own and had an impact on the game. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Studi was going to have to hit three to four, maybe even five threes last night. And boy, did he step up and do it. And the, the other big thing there that was so important was the versatility of Tennessee's lineup and how they can switch some and they can have uh different guys guarding the four and five and with bj mack and and who you want guarding mack and how that can work against or for south carolina when you put studi in the game now all of a sudden that at the four spot that forced tennessee's big men to have to guard mack uh, a little bit more on the perimeter now mack didn't convert the way he wanted to but those pick and pops like south carolina uh, they didn't score a ton of points, but I thought they got some really good looks. And, and Lamont Paris had, had mentioned this to me in pregame. He said, against teams that like to switch, you know, we'll, we'll try to run some stuff that get them to switch. And then now let's run the play that we want, you know. And so that that's some NBA stuff uh, that occurs. I thought they they really got some, some uh, good matchups, even though the percentages weren't off the charts. And uh, I love what he talks about, how these guys are self-aware, and you see it, that um, Zachary Davis didn't say, what, what did he go, 0 for 5 or something last night? Like, would he like to score more? Yeah, but I think he's pretty happy with that road win and knows that he helped his team by playing the best defense that he could. With all that said, we'll let you run on this on this final one here. Again, it, it's it's wow, it's been special, but we all uh, well know that uh, you don't get into the dance with just six uh, conference wins. They, they still got a lot of games to play. Uh, they have not been shy about beating that drum saying, hey, somebody look at us and pay attention. All paying attention now, Dane. Uh, and and when they walk into Stegman on Saturday, everybody's going to know how well this team's playing and, and every game here on out. I mean, they've, they've got the target on their back because they're a good basketball team. What, what do they need to improve to continue to stay in the win column and, and build towards March. Uh, with everything that's gone right, there's always something to work on. What do you think that might be for the for these guys? Yeah, to me, uh, the consistency at the three-point line. Um, and, yeah. and I, I, you know, look, uh, other than to start SEC play, they, they have been pretty consistent. I, I just think that's such a key as more and more teams in the SEC are starting to become uh, three-point happy and try to spread you out with more shooters. Uh, the way they're only they're only allowing teams to to make less than six threes a game, that, that might not have seemed like much, you know, five six years ago. But with everybody loving the three point shot now, that's a huge deal. And they're they're when they're making ten a game and you're holding them to six, 
you know, that that's that's a big spread there. You know, all of a sudden, you're plus 12 from the three-point line and the way they can defend and, and not turn it over. So um, that, that, to me, is probably the biggest thing is just continuing to – to uh, shoot in that 35% or better type range from three. Um, and you sit there and you say, look, six and two. And you're right, they do have a long way to go. But the beauty is, as we talked about, you know, there's not a lot of bad loss opportunities uh, you know, on the schedule either that, that yeah. are going to kill you. And so if you can find a way to get to, to 10 league wins, uh, I'd like to think that's enough. Uh, I know you want more, but 10 league wins in, in, a, in a pretty darn tough SEC um, uh, you would like to think would, would be enough for them. Yeah, I would think so, especially with what they've done over the, over the last seven days. It's, um, they've got the resume now. Just got to keep doing what they're doing. We'll let you run. I know you've got a busy day. Uh, we will, uh, we'll send, uh, send coach Paris and, uh, the SID Michael debate. a quick email and see if we can't get you on the call for let's <laughs> see, all 10 remaining games yeah. uh, on the <laughs> schedule. To uh, help them, I know you're a ball at heart because you played there. Everybody knows that. That's okay, but you know it'd be nice for you to you know be on the call. For those hey, you know what? what? It's gonna be. I, I'm I'm thrilled for South Carolina because you look. You like being the underdog, and that's a fun role to play. But all of a sudden, when you go on the road and the crowd is getting bigger because you're coming to town, that's a fun, rewarding feeling too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, Coach Paris yeah. talked about the the need for more brand recognition in South Carolina, and they're they're starting to get it to where as before. I bet Georgia wasn't that, you know, tickets weren't too expensive. They're starting to get up there now, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it, you got that right. Be a lot of folks barking uh, in Stegman on, on Saturday. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time. Great stuff last night, and, and really appreciate everything you do for college basketball. You're a pro, and, and we'd love to have you back soon. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Congrats to the Gamecocks. All right, Dane. Thank you, man. See you, buddy. There you go, Dane Bradshaw with the SEC. Uh, work on the call last night with Tom Hart and Alyssa Lang, courtside course uh derek and uh and casey we've given derek a a job every week hey man you know what to do you know bring home a win and he, he keeps delivering so you know you know hats off to, to derek scott for his hard work when he's on the road uh, and he had a fantastic call if any of you happen to miss some of that as we open the uh, program here so i'm sure it'll be up on uh they put some of, they put his calls up on uh he's got him up. up and yeah and i'm sure yeah, it's, up somewhere it's on his twitter page media. Yeah, yep, I'll go yep. retweet that and make sure that, that he gets the proper love. Because yeah. we did it last week. I mean, heck of a game, man. I mean, I got on to talk with Phil. It was so, it was so good. I skipped bingo and got on the late night Gamecock show with uh, <laughs> Phil and Matt last night just because I wanted to talk about it. Well, it was uh, so it good. Was, That's such a good one. It was a. Uh... It was a night. There's no doubt. We've got plenty on that, including some incredible stats. Uh, as as the evening began to unfold, SIDs and sports media guys began to open up books and start reading to figure out, well, now, wait a second here. When was the last time this? When was the last time? We got a lot of that stuff for you. Uh, plus, uh, Matt Anderson is going to join us. He's kind of our version of Joe Lenardi. He sent us a picture last night. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but he certainly makes a bunch of scratch notes throughout these uh, broadcasts and ball games, and he's got a bunch of good stuff to pass along as well. We'll get into some Carolina football today. Uh, Tennessee football themselves are they're fighting back, and they're fighting back fiercely. So we'll talk about some of that and much, much more. Glad to have all of you. The Nana Sports chat box is wide open. We'll try to uh, answer any questions that we can. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you by the Quarter Zip family from – 
Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com to order yours today. We'll be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Touchdown Brewer. Set up the screen and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns to Cody. Touchdown number three of the afternoon. Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise and it's done on time and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. got the swag now there's no doubt about it Gamecock basketball is on the national radar welcome back Phil Molinax JC Schubert and or Sherbert we all know and myself JB Matt Anderson coming up thanks to Dane Bradshaw joining us in that last segment he's really good at what he does and really appreciate it last night the win for Carolina was their first top five road upset since senior day in Rupp Arena March 2nd 1997 yeah it's been a while uh, but a heck of a place to go. Both of those 
of those places seat 20,000 people. You want to see what everybody complains about the arena size in South Carolina? The balls are pretty good, and they put almost 21,000 people in that ballpark last night. You can do it if you're good, and uh, Carolina's trying to get there. So a heck of a heck of an atmosphere. It was honestly pretty quiet uh, until about the last couple of minutes when Dalton Connect began to connect and keep Tennessee in it, but um, it was loud and proud. Also, in addition to that, if you haven't paid attention, maybe this will wake you up a little bit. A combo record between Gamecock women's basketball and Gamecock men's basketball. It's the best in the nation. 37 and 3. 13 SEC wins, 2 SEC losses, and 7 and 0 versus the top 25, 4 and 0 versus the top 10. That is what Lamont Paris and Don Staley have brought to the table in this 23 24 basketball season. And if that's not enough, from Michael DeBates, who is the SID for Gamecock Basketball. He uh, tweeted this last night and got it from the Elias Sports Bureau. The last time that the Gamecocks defeated a pair of top 10 opponents in a three-game stretch, the large majority of us weren't born. 56-50, a win at eighth-ranked Duke. 87-86, a win at third-ranked North Carolina. February 24th. February 28th, 1968. Holy smokes. So this last week, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year, but JC, Phil, regardless, this last seven days, most of us have never seen this. And uh, it's okay to celebrate it and be happy about it. There's no doubt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is – I mean, obviously we know – it. The season is not over, but I mean, you got to enjoy what you're what you're watching right now because it, it truly is it, it's almost unprecedented. And to, to dig back into the you know late sixties like that I, for yeah, like you said, most of us this is unprecedented it, and it's impressive uh, as as much as it is improbable uh, that this team has been able to come together in such a sm- short amount of time when you consider these pieces that have come from elsewhere and have never played before uh, to be able to put a cohesive, fun-to-watch product on the court that is winning is is just, uh, I mean, just a massive undertaking by Coach Paris and uh, and, and all, all praise and kudos to him for sure. Yeah, I, I just... <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was that was before McGuire really even had it rolling. That was kind of one of the early McGuire teams that did that because uh, the, the the best team they have was sixty nine seventy, and then they actually won the ACC in seventy one, and then got out of the league right after shortly thereafter. Um, so that wasn't even Pete McGuire. I mean, man, <laughs> that's uh, that says something right there. Um, uh, of course, the SEC, this league is so good this year. It, it, it does afford you the opportunity to do that, um, to have the chance to knock off two top ten teams within that stretch. But, my goodness, I mean, you know, you're talking about Duke and North Carolina back then. I mean, they were yeah. – they were, and, yes, they were, they were really good back then too. Um, you know, but this uh, Kentucky-Tennessee thing something else. I mean, like, like, look, I said it last week too, just like Dane did. I, I, I thought Kentucky-Bama – Auburn, Tennessee were kind of that top, the top, the big four in the league, so to speak. And then there was this gigantic middle 
and then maybe Vandy and, and Missouri, unfortunately, and Arkansas are kind of creeping down toward Vandy a little bit. Um, I think both Missouri and Arkansas are very capable teams. They're just in disarray. Um, I don't know how much more Missouri people could take losing all the cl- all these close games like they have. But, um, you know, I, I do believe that with this win, uh, and I think it would be helpful to win Saturday. You know, uh, I, I think Carolina owes Georgia one. I think they let that one get away from them. They couldn't hit free throws. Uh, it's going to be pretty crowded and loud in Athens um, because when they're winning in basketball, they do show up. And, and ever since they remodeled their arena, they used to call it the Stegosaurus Coliseum. Trust me, guys, this place was a barn. Uh, I lived in Georgia in the early 2000s. I'd go over for games. And boy, it was, it was, uh, you compare it to like the Colonial Life Arena, and you're like, man, that's a Taj Mahal compared to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've remodeled it. And, and since then, they've been getting pretty good crowds in for basketball. Tom Green, as terrible as he was, actually sold a lot of season tickets. So their crowd's pretty good. Um, they don't like South Carolina anymore. South Carolina doesn't like Georgia. Um, you know, so I expect a hostile environment. But you, know, you have a chance to go get a road win that's at least a Q2, probably will end up as a Q1, uh, and then get to seven. And so, that, so that's the halfway point of the season uh, in the SEC. And I say all that to say this. It may be at that point, and it may be now, where, where you can really start talking about South Carolina as a team that can contend with those quote unquote big four, because guess what guys, they're two, they're two and one against that group with, with Auburn. They have Auburn on the road and they have Tennessee coming into Columbia in March and that they're done with Kentucky. They're done with Alabama. So, so yes, I, I agree with the opinion that those are eyeball test wise, the four best teams in the league, but, it may be time to start talking about Carolina, you know, just because of the record and what they've done head to head with that, that group. I mean, you know, you, you line them up. Game guys probably don't even look like they belong on the same on the floor, in the same building as Kentucky. Not many teams do, but you don't win and lose by the eyeball test. You win and lose by doing what you got to do within the game to win it. So it may, I, you know, this program's won one SEC championship since they've been in the league. If you'd have told me that in 1992, and I said you were crazy, because <laughs> we all thought Eddie Fogler would take it to the moon, man. Uh, yeah. And, and and the program was only 18 or so years away from being one of the best in the country. So many fans back then put the pack them in Frank McGuire Arena. You couldn't get a ticket. That's why they built the CLA. They felt like once they got back into a conference, it would go back to the old days. And and it and daggummit, you know, after the Steve Newton fiasco, Fogler comes in here. And look at what he did. Five, five years in, he's back-to-back tournaments, 47-16, and 16, one of the best programs in the league. People were talking about Carolina and Kentucky. It'll be Carolina and Kentucky from now till the end of time. And then in the classic Gamecock fashion, the bottom fell out. <laughs> and, uh, and it hadn't been the same since. So, you know, this is a program that, that, you know, is not any little bit of success you have in the moment, you, you got to take it, and winning SEC championships are important. It's hard to do. That's the baseball program. I think the baseball program has as many SEC titles as national titles, or, or, or they yeah. have as many SEC. They have a little more. All right, so they have they have less SEC championships than they do appearances in the national championship game or series as a program. Yeah, you know, yeah. Spurrier said it too. It's harder to win the SEC than national. So. 
Hey, that's sure. something to shoot for, man. I'd, I'd be, I'd be thrilled if they can do it. Uh, I agree with Dane. I think, I think the, the winner's probably going to be about 13 and five, 14 and four. And that's achievable, especially if you win Saturday and you carry, you're carrying a seven and two into the back half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, on that point, um, you know, th- th- here's how good this league is, okay? Right now, by the standings, Mississippi State, whom the Gamecocks took down 68-62 uh, to 62 to open SEC play, they stand at 3-5 and five in the league and 14-7 and seven overall. They're 11th in the SEC. Before anybody runs along and tries to discount beating the teams that they've beaten thus far, Carolina, of those six wins, Mississippi State, and then you got Arkansas there down at the bottom. You got Missouri twice down at the bottom. Mississippi State also has a pair of top 10 wins, boys and girls. They beat eighth ranked Auburn at the hump, and they beat fifth ranked Tennessee at the hump as well. That's how good this league is. I mean, they, they almost pulled it off last night uh, on the road in Oxford. Uh, they had a chance. Mike called the game down in the swamp, and uh, Florida was able to pull away a little bit later on. They only got beat by Alabama by eight points. I mean, this is this is a good, uh, good team, great league, and and I I disagree. I agree. I I agree slash disagree with where is South Carolina in all of this. Um, here's where I agree. I agree a hundred percent with what Dane Bradshaw said. Can they win the league? I don't know, but you know what? I could translate that exact same comment to Kentucky, to Tennessee, to Auburn, and to Alabama all right now. Can Alabama win the league? I don't know. Can Auburn? I don't know. Can Kentucky? I don't know. I don't know. There is that much parity and that much talent and that much depth in this league, JC, to your point, where you can walk out there and get beat any night. Like, Arkansas and Missouri play tonight, so somebody's going to have to win the game, okay? Missouri might get their first SEC win tonight. I, I seem to think that they will. Arkansas is still going to clip somebody at some point in time this year. They're go, it's going to hurt. I don't know who it's going to be, but they're going to do it because they got enough players to do it. I think Missouri is probably going to do that too. That's how that's how good the league is. Could it be 13-5 and five that wins it? Could it be 14-4? and four? I, I seem to agree. I, I, I kind of agree with that. I think it's probably going to be somewhere in there. But I'll also say this. I'll also say this. And this exact statement that I'm going to make can be totally different next week. Because I know how a lot of people are. You know you know how it is. They go, well, that's what you, you, this is what you said. Yeah, that's what I said when it was what it was. But things have changed. So, obviously, my opinion has changed. South Carolina basketball is absolutely in the upper echelon of the SEC. And I can prove that. You want to know how? Pretty easy. Because they're a half game out of first place with two wins against Kentucky and Tennessee. That's how I can prove it. So, like, the narrative, there might be the narrative of who are the four most talented teams in the league. That's fine. If anybody wants to have that conversation, you're probably going to, I'm going to agree with you. Okay? But do you want to have the conversation of who are the best teams in the SEC? Because at this point in time, the South Carolina Gamecocks are at the top of the list. So, it's okay to 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 think big. It's okay to think can can these guys go win the SEC? Why the hell not? Why not? They've earned the right to be in that conversation where they stand today. Now they could go get beat this weekend and they can turn around and get beat next week or they can win the next two games and 
you want to talk about remember generally we talk about must win games it has some other narrative like oh you got to upset this team that's a must win game you want to know what the must win game is left on the schedule it's vanderbilt that's it right don't get beat by <laughs> vanderbilt you know that's the must win game so like it's okay to say these guys can can win the sec because as it stands today they're a half game out and if something crazy happens in stegman tonight and it could and alabama goes down then they're tied at the top of the league and for anybody that doesn't know how this works, the SEC, you split it. There ain't no head-to-head. You split that trophy. They literally take a, a, a chainsaw and they cut the damn thing in half and give you a piece of it. Okay? <laughs> so that's how it works. It's okay to dream and it's okay to jump in, jump on board and jump in line uh, and let this team, you know, let this team feel your presence and the, the fact that there's a, a fan base that believes that they can go do something that literally not one soul on the planet thought could happen as you walked into this year no yeah yeah (laughs) no go ahead jason well i'll say this all right so if you you want to go full basketball nerd and not include not i'm not going to get into ken palm because you guys know how i feel about those those things um south carolina you talk about quad one wins which is going to be very important quad one wins and quad three and four losses are going to be important um, just based on the, some comments that you've seen out there. South Carolina has as many four, quad one wins as any other team in the league. Mm-hmm. Nobody has more than four. Gamecocks have four. They have the highest winning percentage in quad one of any team in the SEC at four to two. Yep. Tennessee quad one, three and four. Uh, I think one team is four and four. Like Florida has not won a single daggum quad one game. And, and you know, this is a year where I, I, you know, just based on what was on the website of the NCAA and about with an asterisk by it that they snuck into their article. Uh, and then based on what you hear, some of the national guys, Dane even mentioned it, quad one wins are going to be very heavily weighted this year. You know, South Carolina's resume wise, if it, the season start, stopped right now, they'd have the best looking quad one record in the league. They've got I mean, the best resume in the league right now. You know, they have the best resume in the league. Strength of schedule number may drop them a little bit. So what? But based on non, I see, and that's where that's where I'm not arguing with you, JC. That's where I'm arguing with the system. That's that's where the disconnect is with this because we've we've all gotten lost in this whole thing. We look at the net rankings, we look at Kim Palm, and we get all goobered up into into the numbers. Right? That's what everybody does. They get goobered up into the numbers. They get all bent out of shape. That's the point of the committee. That's the point of having a good committee. That's the point of guys, ADs and coaches being on the phone with these cats leading up to Selection Sunday going, well, do you have this information? Shoot, we don't have that. Yeah, we need to look at that. You know, there's a lot of politics that goes on behind the scenes. I don't think that's a secret, is it? So, like, so th- that's the point of the committee. So, you, the committee sits down, Mad Dog, Schubert, and, and let's, let's name some people here. Billy, Eric, Charles, Craig, we're all sitting here. And we're all on the committee and you got the net and you got the Ken Palm and you got all these metrics and all this stuff. But then you have brains and people and desks and pens and papers and mouths and conversations, right? The, the, the human element. And you bring that into it and you go, okay, well, what was our non-conference strength of schedule? Well, it was 326. Yeah, but they, they got, they got four top 10 wins. I mean, like the net rankings literally tell you on the website that game one weighs the same as 
game 30. It literally tells you that, like from a metric standpoint. Yeah, well, we we eliminated this, that, and the other because we want the whole season to to count via the metrics. Well, that's great, but I know a lot of teams that get a lot better and a lot worse. You really think if Charleston Southern walked into CLA tomorrow that they'd lose by four points to South Carolina? They'd lose by 40. So, like, I mean, it's it, – it's a totally like you have to be able to have these conversations in addition to using the metrics and these non-con strength of schedule to this that, and the other like when you're having a good year like the Gamecocks are doing and you've got all these quality wins like you just pointed out JC you're four and two in the in the uh in the uh, quad one win category and you're th- so you're seven and two quad one quad two overall which is damn near half the wins you get on the year that that non-conference strength of schedule turns into one big crock prap real quick when you get the committee voices actually communicating about who they're going to put in the field. Um, it, it begins to diminish those metrics when we start offsetting that, as you just rightfully pointed out and said it. Quad one wins matter. Quad one wins matter. Quad one wins matter. Well, then you start – all that crap starts putting itself, and you can forget the non-conference strength of schedule. It just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, that was the point I made last night. Is that this this that win truly insulates you from having to you know play that numbers game for the non conference? Like it doesn't matter now if Virginia Tech wins, loses, or draws. But you've got two quad one A wins, uh, you know, on your resume right now, and you know it's going to be interesting, like to see whether or not the teams who schedule tough non-conference games, you know, to, I guess, kind of build up their resume, even though with losses and things like that. Because think about, think about, okay, so Tennessee has one of the strongest non-conference schedules in the league. That has allowed them to play and be ranked and all of this and get the national attention. But if it doesn't convert to the quad one opportunities in the league, then what good does that strength of schedule do you outside of, you know, maybe a seed or two if you're a legit tournament team. So now, you know, you just keep winning these if you're Carolina and that further insulates you from, you know, the whole silly storyline, I think of the soft non-conference schedule, because quite frankly, that allowed coach Paris to let this team gel heading into the conference season and be what they are right now. Yeah. And the, and the con the strength of schedule could end up, I mean, what it is is teams played so far as how they calculated. I mean, you've got 10 games left. Five of them are quad one opportunities on the road. Yeah. yeah. Most of all, but one well, Tennessee, well, Tennessee comes to Columbia, but yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Four of five, but Georgia absolutely by the end of the year could have been fine. So good and then Ole Miss Tennessee as well. Yeah. So, good Ole Miss so right well. now, so could be half of your 10. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah, there I you mean, go. F- Florida at home, maybe not. And then LSU and Vandy at home, definitely not. But uh, Yeah, LSU's yeah, three, so. Vandy's four, Florida's a two, Tennessee's a one, yeah. and Ole Miss is a two. Those Ole are Miss your home. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's a, there's an opportunity there to continue to collect these types of wins. Um you know, it may not be top 10 wins, you know, but beating, you know, <laughs> uh, winning at Texas A&M is going to be very important or, 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 or good if they win out there. A&M actually is tied with Carolina for the most quad one wins of the league. They have four. They're four and four. 
Um, and they're a good basketball team. They, they, if I had to name maybe a little bit of a disappointment outside of the the obvious disappointments in the league, A and M would be one of them. They're sitting at twelve and eight. They've lost some games they shouldn't, but they're still good. South Carolina, in the past, has had their number. <laughs> when Frank was here, uh, which was crazy because a little side note. Frank used to schedule Virginia Tech in that secret scrimmage yeah. with Buzz Williams every year, and yeah. they would get obliterated. Even the Final yeah. Four team wasn't within 20 points of the Hokies. Then Buzz goes to Texas A&M. All of a sudden, Frank owns him. Like, like, like on his Wikipedia, Buzz Williams says his father is Frank Martin. <laughs> I never, I never could figure that out because I was like, wow, that's 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 wild. Um, but something about A&M, Carolina, do well. They did not last year. They lost by 40 points at home. To that team, so um, you know that's going to be a big one. The old the two games against Ole Miss is why I asked Dane about them because we we we've seen Ole Miss's record, we've, but we don't know much. I don't know much about them. You know, they're I, good. I, just, um, I know they're good, and I know Chris Beard is really good. But uh, that's that's the only team left. The game got to play twice, so. The Ole Miss, the, the two-game set with the Rebels is going to be big. And that's a differentiator, too, because Ole Miss is sitting there at 18-3 and three as well. Yeah, yeah, no question. I think Ole, I mean, Ole Miss is in the middle of that uh, that thick stretch, and it, it started a couple of games ago. You know, they're, they've won three straight. They went to A&M, they won. They, they win last night against Mississippi State. They got Auburn coming up this weekend at home, um, which I'll be honest with you, like, Although that is a team, theoretically, uh, at the end of the year, guys, like they, Carolina and Ole Miss could maybe be competing for seeding. I want to see Ole Miss beat Auburn this weekend because if the Gamecocks take care of what they need to take care of, Ole Miss is barely on the outside looking in, too. I think it'd really be neat next Tuesday night at Colonial Life Arena to have a pair of top 25 teams playing basketball. Like I think that that would really, really, really be cool. And uh, so I hope that Ole Miss beats Auburn to set up a, a match like that. But then after they got to go to Kentucky, get a little break in there with Missouri coming to town. Maybe. I don't know. I told you Missouri's going to break somebody's heart. I don't know who it's going to be. So it's Arkansas. And then they got to go to uh, Mississippi State before welcoming the Gamecocks and Alabama back to town. So they're in that stretch run where, you know, you're going to look up uh, and, and Ole Miss sitting at five and three. You know, where are they going to be? They're going to be. They're gonna be eight and eight. What are they gonna be? You know, we we don't really know, but that's that's just kind of the nature of the beast in this league right now, as as the three of us have discussed and Dane Bradshaw pointed out earlier. I mean, it's it's just dangerous. It's dangerous every night. And um, last night it was dangerous for the Vols because the Gamecocks got them at uh, Thompson Bowling Arena, sixty three to fifty nine. We are at the end of the hour. I know Phil. We got to get to a break here. Matt Anderson is coming up. Um, We've still got some football to get to today. Looking forward to that. Carolina baseball's right around the corner. We've got Sherbert in on a Wednesday. I didn't tell you guys. Our pets' this. heads are falling off. Oh, what? What is it? Our pets' heads are falling off. Dude, I said that so many times on Monday when the car broke down. I was like, not only the car, I walk outside the damn mailbox is sitting on it's just broken off like somebody chopped it down. Things are just falling apart around here, dude. Uh, anyway, uh, I didn't tell you this, uh, at, at 1230, I'm going to take a, I'll, I'll be gone, but I'll be back. Cause I got, I'm gonna do the Chuck Oliver show in Atlanta for about 10 minutes to talk Gamecocks. He, Heath Klein hit me up yesterday and I was like, well, normally I'm not on on Wednesdays, but I'm going to be on Wednesdays, but I'll just take 10 minutes since we have Matt and 
and bounce out and all that. So uh, good people in listening land, never fear. The Sherb will return after a brief hiatus at the uh, bottom of this hour. That's okay. It's okay. We have to do what we have to do around here. For now, we have to pay some bills. We still got two hours to go. What a fun day. Carolina Gamecock basketball. Crazy. Be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 414-5271 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast charleston fitness equipment is keeping south carolina in shape clients have come from all over the palmetto state to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good whether it's a home rower treadmill elliptical free weights a home gym or something else charleston fitness equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you get in shape like the gamecocks do visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of inside the gamecocks the show the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck.
Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue presents the national anthem every day at noon here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back. Can y'all hear me okay? Yeah, we got you. I don't know what's going on here. I can't uh, I can't hear myself for some reason. I'm trying to figure out why. I'm having uh, mic issues. I guess that's My volume was just blowing me out. I had to turn it down. My head was rattling with that jet. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I was, I was sitting here trying to figure out. I was, ha- I was having some issues like during the break, as y'all well know. I was sending you messages. I was yeah, like, "What so, is going on here?" I'll just sit here and talk like. As long as you can hear us, we got you loud and clear. Yeah, I can hear you fine now. But, uh, anyways, welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built. By the Barndo Co., thebarndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. Uh, Billy G's CarolinaBarbecue.com to order catering, and they've got that awesome food truck as well. So if you need to put an order for that and to come to any event that you may have, Billy G's CarolinaBarbecue.com, uh, and then, of course, CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com to have it dropped off at your doorstep, the secret spice and the sweet heat and the Carolina gold. I know Mr. Bill's a happy man today. He played for the Gamecocks, of course, uh, back in the seventies, and um, so uh, what a what a time for former, current, and future Gamecock basketball players. Uh, the last week has been pretty historic. Matt Anderson joining us from the late night Gamecock show. He was able to pop on uh, his program last night after the game and uh, give you some of the, his thoughts that happened in the game. Uh, Matt, I, I know that um, it was a pretty pretty exciting time for fans of your program kind of celebrating what happened up on Rocky top. But at the end of the day, what happened was Carolina has putting themselves a uh, half game out of first place in the loaded sec. Pretty incredible. 
Yeah, um, humongous win for the Gamecocks. Humongous past seven days. Um, Gamecocks are playing as well as any team in the conference, most definitely. And I'd even go as far as to say any team in the country at this point right now. Um, it was fun last night on the show. Um, I couldn't even keep up with the comments. They were just rolling in. And normally I try to do a better job of you know peeping over there. But um, I'll tell you what, <laughs> Phil was jacked up. I was jacked up. Um, Phil, Phil went live with me. Phil gave some excellent thoughts as well. And then JC got excited. He popped on for about 30 minutes. And I was half expecting JV to say, let me in, let me in. But um, I know you're probably busy. I know you had to stuff. You got to do a lot of stuff to get ready for this show. There's, there's a lot of production and cutting up video and stuff like that. And, you know, we appreciate everything that you do on that side of things, JV. But big win for the Gamecocks. Um, you know, I'm just a numbers guy. I, I caught a little bit of the Dane Brad, Bradshaw interview. I didn't catch after yeah. that. I don't know what you guys have discussed. So, um, JB, you do a great job. Lead, lead us where you want to go. Yeah, I'm going to start off. I'm gonna start yeah, off go for it. Why, why, okay, so how's Carolina 39th in the net and 46th in Kempo? If I if I knew that answer, JC, I'd tell you. Um, you know, I don't know the KPOM <laughs> algorithm. I don't know the net algorithm. Um you know, it's one of those things where you, you you don't really see it out of out of line that much. Um, you know, like like it is this morning. But Gamecocks, you know, they say they don't give extra points for road wins, but maybe they do. <laughs> you know what I mean? When the net when the net jumps like that, um, I mean, I've been looking at this, and you know, I'm, I'm sure you got we covered the game last night. You guys have covered the game a lot, I know, um, so far on this show, but. Um, one of the biggest things that I took away from last night is going into the game, South Carolina, according to Bart Torvik, had a 62.3% chance of making the NCAA tournament. After that game, the Gamecocks now have a 93.5% chance of making really? the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, it jumped by over 30%. Jeez. And, you know, wow. it goes to show how Gamecocks needed that second signature Q, Q1A type win but the road win road and neutral against quality opponents big big deal so that was kind of crazy um and then you know looking at the last um if you look at the last 10 games according to bart torvik and i'll pull that up really quick um last 10 as it loads gamecocks have the 11th best defense in the country over the last 10 games um, offense, 92nd in the country, but what, what biggest, based on what metric, like points per game allowed or what's that based um, on? Offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. Okay. So when you look at that, that number, when you see a 92.3, that means that the Gamecocks have 100 possessions. They're going to give up 92.3 points. And so when you adjust that down for tempo with the Gamecocks, you know, only having about 63 possessions per game. You can see why teams are scoring 55 points because they're only going to get, you know, about 92% of the points on a possession basis. So a lot of math there, but I promise it's easy once you just wrap your head around it. <laughs> so you see. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I look at some of these metrics and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's like, you know, with that, that beautiful mind, you know, kind of... <laughs> contrivance that that you know picks which teams are better than others when i mean it wasn't that long ago where we were just using the eyeball test and and you know like damn that's a real good team but they're they're one of the best 64 teams in the country they should be in the tournament 
Well, I, I'm yeah. just not like not a. Fa- Here's the logic behind why they did it because you go back and you can look at 30 years of research and say the teams that score at this clip and have this type of efficiency typically are the teams that advance in the NCAA mm. tournament. Um, but it's still a predict. It's still false. I mean, it's still fake. It's not. It's it, it's based on the past and trends and what should be happening. Uh, and as we all know, you, you win and lose by winning and losing. Um, I'd say that if Carolina was number one in the net right now, I, I'm just. Uh, and they had some components in it when they first started that I thought, you know, the 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 the, the analytics people didn't like, the Google people didn't like. Some co- I guess some coaches complained, uh, where it wasn't just wins, you know. Uh, quality of wins and losses uh, plus efficiency. You know, they had, they had a really nice uh, scoring margin element that I liked. They had uh, just straight up winning percentage counted some. Uh, I like, I like taking a lot of different, you know, metrics and, and kind of putting them into the, and, and I thought at the beginning, the net was probably superior to the RPI. Now I just don't know, man, I, I, all this efficiency is just like, it's not a matter of winning and losing. It's it, 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 and then I think that impacts folks that right, right you know, vote in the polls. I think you know they look at that the the oh well they're only fortieth in efficiency so must not be that good you know yeah. whereas it used to be just wins and losses were what mattered and and then you know if you won on the home home quarter away or I don't know you know y'all's thoughts about that I'll shut up. Well, I, and let me let me. I want to I want to add something to that too because I I think, and Matt, you're the you're our. What do, we got to can't just call him Matt. So one of you, one of one of y'all, come up with something. Uh, so he I has called a it Matalytics yesterday. Matalytics that'll be fine, <laughs> but that's not that's not a nickname. So it's got to be no, something. You know, like, Matty Ice. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, like my, Matt Ryan. Matty Ice. Something. I don't know. Yeah. But well, um, the big thing, and JB, you might be getting to this. I, I, you, you have a pretty good mind mill with me sometimes when it comes to this stuff. Remember, and this is one of the biggest misconceptions about the net. The net is not used as a rating system. It's a sorting tool. So that's right. how where you are rated in the net determines what quadrant you are in a win or a loss for you know your the opponent, right? And then yeah. your opponent as well. So that's why when, when I talk about this, you'll very rarely even hear me say, oh, man, the Gamecocks are 39th in the net. Like, I don't care. That's just where they say that that's where this computer spits out a number. But the important thing is right now the Gamecocks are beating the quad one and quad two opponents on their schedule and not right. losing the teams they, they, sh- they shouldn't lose to. Um, and I'm sure you guys have touched on it, but I could make a case right now that South Carolina has a top 15 resume in the country. I can no make doubt. a really easy case. Yeah, now, absolutely. If you're going to sit there and look at, you know, the net, Ken Palm and all that, they're great tools, but you got to take everything as a whole and what they're doing in the quads. And Gary Parrish has them 15th in the country. Um, you know, Gary does it the same way I do it. He, he looks at if the NCAA tournament ended to, or the season ended today, where would I rank these teams based on their, their resume? And he's right. got them at 15, but there's only 15 teams in the country that have seven quad one and quad two wins. It makes logical sense. Correct. That would be a, that'd be a four seed. Yeah. Well, you know, keep winning and they might be, I mean, Lenardi's got them in a six seed today. I, 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 so one of the things that, that um, kind of bothers me with, with the net and, and it literally tells you when you go 
do your research on how the rankings are included, what information is not included. In the first line, when you look under the question of is there any notable data not included in the net, game date and game order were not included in that ranking, so a team's first game counts the same as its 30th. That's hogwash. You know what I mean? Like That's ridiculous. I mean, because the game last night counts way more than game one of the year for, for the Gamecocks, and it's the same thing for every other school in the country. Like I used the example earlier of Charleston Southern. You think Charleston Southern was the opponent? Going up on Saturday, that they would escape with a four-point win over the Buccaneers? Of course not. You know, blow them out. So, like, I understand. I understand the purpose of it. Kind of going back to what I mentioned in hour number one, and the fact that, like, when that committee Matt sits in that room, they get around that table. They don't just pass around net rankings and Ken Palm rankings all the time and go, "Well, look at that. The uh, Carolinas right here, forty-fifth, and that's because their non-conference strength of schedule ranks at three thirty-one. Yeah, somebody – that's what those guys are there for. They say, okay, you're right. Okay, but how much does that matter versus the fact that they're, you know, 10 and 4 in quad 1, quad 2 opportunities with four top 10 wins versus quad 1 teams on their own floor? Then all of a sudden – that's when they start outweighing all that crap, you know? So it's a guideline, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's not the end-all, be-all. Yeah, I mean, if I was making – if I was making a bracketology today – um, I would have to consider some of the non-conference strength of schedule. I'd have to consider some of the margins. Like the, the biggest thing right now is everybody's mad about Alabama and Auburn and how they're ahead of South Carolina in the net. And when you go look at Alabama's season so far, they have one more loss in the Gamecocks, but they of their four losses is by a combined 21 points. And they're mm-hmm. good, good teams. You know, the Gamecocks have a 27 burger that they lost at Alabama. And when you look at just those two teams, like Alabama beat South Carolina by more points than they've lost every other game combined. And, you know, the strength of schedule does matter. I'd probably have the Gamecocks around a five seed. Uh, I think Lenardi's still a little slow on that one. But I think that, you know, Gamecocks have a, have the top 15 resume. And unfortunately, you have to think like the committee thinks sometimes. And that's why Lamont always says, you know, once you get in the top 25, the committee tar- starts taking notice of you. Because a lot of those people are just, you know, they have they'll have their summit here. Uh, I think it's usually mid-February. They'll, they'll all get together and they'll put out the top 16 teams in order. And they'll say, you know, if the season ended today, blah, blah, blah. That's when they're really going to get in the nitty gritty right now. They, I can promise you that they're not doing the amount of research the four of us are doing. Looking at this every day, the way that we look at it, they're like, all right, what happened in the, well, ESPN scoreboard? OK, this team won, this team lost. Where are the standings? What's the record? Yeah. That's what they're looking at. Who's in the top 25? Yeah, I think ultimately that benefits all the teams in that, you know, this is a committee of humans that are using these ratings and ranking systems just as tools. Uh, If anyone were to ever, you know, say, well, you need to weigh this tool more than another when weighing your decision or start to make, you know, transitions to just the metrics themselves, then we should all be concerned uh, because, you know, computers don't know ball. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, if, if anyone, if, let's say we're the selection committee guys and we're sitting around there to, to Jamie's point earlier, you know, talking about the Charleston Southern game, there's no way they're going to sit there and say, well, you know, <laughs> Charleston Southern's equal to Tennessee because South Carolina beat them by the same amount of points or whatever. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. They're going to say, put them on that court right now. Gamecocks win by 35. Put them on no. the court against Tennessee. Gamecocks probably going to win by four. <laughs> you know, those ga- hey, those games, that stuff comes up 
when like if if Carolina was where LSU is right now, uh, at three and four, or where Florida is at four and three, 14 and six, like and you and you get to the end of the year and you've got an eight and ten league record with some really good wins, but maybe don't have that splash win. Gamecocks have two of them right now of their six SEC wins and one of very high quality, Mississippi State. Let us let's please not discount how big of a win that was. That's a that's a big win. And as the year goes on, it'll continue to prove that. Um, but if you don't have those two and you're and you're beaten, like if you go look at the SEC and of your you go you you go eight and eight, or I mean I'm sorry, eight and ten or nine and nine, and your wins are, you know, two wins over Missouri, a win over Vanderbilt, a win over Arkansas, you beat you know, LSU, you beat Georgia, you beat Florida, you got some nice wins in there, and you're like, man, you know, look how good this league but you don't have that like that big signature win. That's why I kept talking about this going to the Kentucky game last week. I was like, how much does a signature win matter? Because I feel like it does matter if you're amongst a huge group of teams that are on the bubble from your own. And if you're on the bubble and you don't have the signature wins and you start bringing all these metrics, they start taking a closer glance at you, right, Matt? Like, that's that's what you don't want. You don't want to – you don't want them having to go, all right, well, let's get to page three of their metrics and try to figure exactly – you want them to be on the first page. Okay, just stop at line two. They're in. We just got to figure <laughs> out what their seat is. Like, you don't want to have to get down that road where they start comparing and contrasting all this, you know, all this gibberish that none of us understand and and trying to figure out exactly what type of team you are because you didn't give them a couple of highlight reels to put you in alongside your record. Yeah, and to that point, you know, JB, what I would say is, you know, you've had some of those 8-10 and 10 SEC records that got into the NCAA tournament. I think there's been like three of them, you know, since COVID, whatever. I think there's been three of them, maybe more. Um, and you've had some guys that or some teams that missed out at 8-10. and 10. And and what happens there is, all right, well, you know, the LSUs, the the Floridas, the, you know, you pick whatever school in whatever season when it's like, okay, well, the, none of them have the signature win, but South Carolina beat Florida. Okay, so then you might get the edge over Florida in a head-to-head, but then what they're saying is, yeah, well, how good is this, you know, third tier of the SEC compared to the third tier of the ACC? And we'll just leave both the SEC teams out because – you know, we can't de- we can't decipher between them, but we'll say that the ACC was better or the Big Ten was better and give the benefit of the doubt. Nice. We're very well said. Question from uh, Braddock. I'll, I'm going to defer this question to Matt. How do you compare this team to the team that made the Final Four? But we do need to step aside for a timeout. So when we get back, we'll um, we'll make an attempt at um, fussing and discussing. I, I do want to preempt anything that we say uh, to the fact that um, it's January 31st. And uh, this team's got a long ways to go to be compared to the greatest team in school history. But um, I think I understand the question that you're asking uh, from a personnel standpoint. And um, and so we'll certainly um, get get into some of that stuff. Uh, JC's got to slide out for a quick interview over in Atlanta, and then he'll be back in. And uh, we got some football still to get into in just a little while as well. It's It's a little rocky on rocky top, not just basketball related, if you know what I mean. Uh, Gamecocks uh, went up there and put a put a cap on that day for him yesterday. There's no question. They're they're uh, fighting some... back though. They're fighting back. The whole state of Tennessee is involved now. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 gonna they're gonna go down swinging. There's something about the fifth ranked Volunteers taking on the Gamecocks. God help Tennessee's baseball team. Hang tight. <laughs> we'll be right back. 
Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Making them higher and higher. Game shock. Basketball's on a roll. 12 27, final day of January, this 2024. What a week it's been for Lamont Paris and the boys, Matt Anderson, uh, in with us here. And uh, as we take you home until two o'clock today, at least home for us. Uh, inside the Game Cox, this show is always 
live from the Sinorama Studios. Sinorama, located in West Columbia, Sinorama.com for literally anything you could possibly dream of in the sign industry. Uh, last night, it was Tennessee's, Tennessee's loss to South Carolina, the first home loss by a top-five team since Duke was beat by Arizona back on November the 10th. Top five teams were a combined 51-2 and two at home entering the ballgame last night. Gamecocks made that 51-3. and three. Uh, Also, this is really remarkable if you think about it. And this is where we'll ease this conversation into the question that was asked before we hit a timeout. The Vols were averaging 79.5 points per game coming into the ballgame. Last week, Kentucky was averaging 92 points per game. They were held to a total, collectively, of 50 points under their average by this Gamecock defense. Wildcats scored 62, balls 59. Matt, that's in, that's insane, man. And and look, you look at Alabama scoring, you know, points per game as well. They they did it in Tuscaloosa, even though 50? you know just couldn't hit shots. Yeah, yeah. even yeah. though it was a tough night in the second half. Gamecocks had a lead at halftime in that game. Um, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, you know, I saw a, an analogy on the big spur today that I think is really accurate for what the Gamecocks are doing right now. And it's like, you ever been on the interstate and you're stuck behind an 18 wheeler going 60 miles per hour and you're just stuck, you're stuck in mud and you're frustrated. And as soon as you can get around them, you know, boom, you go to like 80 and then, you know, you got to, got to swerve cause you didn't see the other car in the lane <laughs> ahead of you, or you got to yeah. slow down again. That's exactly what the Gamecocks do to opponents. So I think that has a lot to do with the defense being, you know, obviously last 10 games, 11th best defense in the country and making them guard for 30 seconds, sometimes 90 seconds in a row when you talk about offensive rebounding. And, you know, it's just it puts a lot of pressure on the other team to score when and when you are pressured, you know, you're not going to make every shot like you normally would. And you feel like every moment is bigger than it actually is because well, they're going to score their 65. How are we going to get to 66? Exactly. Uh, right. it, it hit the hit some shots. By the way, had BJ Mack not putting anything at all on him, I'm not saying anything that BJ Mack himself uh, doesn't know. Had he hit some of those open shots that he was kind of primed, you thought I thought they were going to go in. That w- game wouldn't have been close at the end. It would have been like a 15 point lead with three minutes to go, and it was over. Um, you know, so and Coach Paris after the game was even asked about some of those shots that he was firing off because he encourages BJ to shoot it. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, shoot, shoot, man. Like, yeah, we're good with that. Keep shooting. Um, They just didn't go in, but they were able to win anyways. The question we had, how do you compare this team to the team that made the Final Four? Um, And so we got to be careful how you have the conversation because somebody will hear it the way that I heard it when I first saw it and go, whoa. Hey man, hold on. They're 18 and 3. They're 6 and 2. It's not even February. You can't compare. And you're right, you can't. You can't compare results, but you can compare personnel. That's fair. Well, you um, know, I think it's actually fair to look JB at first 21 games. Let's just look at that really quick. I got it pulled up on two screens here. So, let's sure. just look at that. Um, after 21 games in 2017, the Gamecocks were 17 and 4. So, 18 and 3 now. So, maybe one more win. Now, the Gamecocks did drop some non-conference games in 2017 that they didn't drop, you know, this season. A little bit of a tougher schedule. I mean, you had the Michigan win, the Syracuse win. Uh, but then if you remember, 
Um, Sundarius Thornwell had a five game suspension. Um, mm-hmm. And Sundarius that year finished number seven in Ken Palm's, you know, top 10 players in the country. And the Gamecocks dropped um, three non conference games. And I don't think Sundarius played in, I don't, I know he didn't play against Clemson and Memphis. I'm not sure about that Seton Hall game and they lost by three. But, you know, Sundarius plays in all those games. I mean, he was scoring 23, 24 points a game. So you'd say those would probably be wins. So you might be looking at, you know, a 20 and one team. Um, you know, when you talk about like the stylistic component of it, um, you know, that Gamecock defense was elite in 2017. And when I say elite, I mean, they finished as the third best defense in the country with an adjusted defensive efficiency of 88.1. The Gamecocks this year are playing good defense, but it's different. Um, 98.6 adjusted efficiency. But the yep. big thing that that, that 2017 team did well was forced turnovers. Um, you know, looking at that number really quick, they tur- they forced a turnover on 24.3% of opponents' possessions. That's yeah. unbelievable. And that led to a lot of fast break points where the Gamecocks aren't really playing that fast break style right now. Um, the, the, I mean, the 2017 team wasn't as good as shooting team as this team is right now. Um, so they're stylistically... They, they played the game differently. Um, you know, the Gamecocks played a good bit faster in 2017 than they're playing right now. But, you know, the Gamecocks also, you know, look where the Gamecocks are right now and look what happened. You know, when they were 17 and four, they had a four overtime loss against Alabama. They lost to Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Florida. So they lost four out of five games closing out that season before they went on their magical run in March. Um, so, the, the 2017 team, you know, I know all about the SEC championship in 96, 97. You know, I've heard all the amazing stories about Frank McGuire and John Roach and Mike Dunleavy and um, Riker and all those guys. I wasn't around for it. <laughs> I can't tell you. You listen to the, old, the older guys that have been around and follow the program. That's the elite of the elite. But 2017 is my elite because they went to the freaking final four. And if Sundarius didn't have the flu, they might have won the, the whole thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still one of those that's convinced they would have won the whole thing if he wasn't sick. And, yeah. they, and uh, they almost beat Gonzaga with him being sick. So, I mean, and Gonzaga, if, if they had called the North Carolina player basically sitting out of bounds <laughs> in the national championship game, Gonzaga probably beats North Carolina. So they're, they're, they're different teams. You know, they do have that defensive mentality. Both teams, you know, they both had it. They both show it. But this team's a better shooting team, and I think a more balanced team overall because you don't have Sundarius just leading the way. And then you know maybe one day it's PJ Dozier, one day it's um, Chris Silva, you, and I can go on all day. So let's uh, maybe we hit maybe we hit it there. I don't know. Yeah, well, so I I think that the the easy way to have the conversation is comparing the personnel. Um, you know, because a lot of people, myself included you know, getting wrapped up in all the numbers and things like that. It's, it's hard to do that. I think if you go back and look at, at the personnel and then you look at the personnel that this, this group has here, you know, and, and you, and, and having the conversation that way, like, again, you gotta be careful because you, you, people will misconstrue this as uh foreshadowing what this team is capable of doing. I'm not saying that they're capable of going to the final four. I'm not saying that they're not, they haven't made the tournament yet. They haven't even made the sec tournament. Like, you know, this is they're eight games into the SEC season, but as we pointed out in hour number one, like it's okay to give this team the credit that they, they deserve to ha- let people have these conversations. They've earned it, so it's okay to have it. With that said, like that team, as you look back, it, it, time always tells the story for me, Matt. And when we look back, uh, 
at the team that went to the Final Four, that team was really good. I mean, every every guy on the floor played professional basketball. I mean, Sidarius yeah. went to the league. Chris Silva went to the league. P.J. Dozier went to the league. Mike Coatsar is an all-star in Europe. Uh, Dwayne Notice became an all-star. I think it was, uh, I'm pretty sure he was an all-star. If not, he was pretty dang close to it in Canada. Um, the team was just loaded with players. Felder, had he not gotten Hassani in trouble. Hassani played in the NBA. Hassani Gravitt played in the NBA. Yeah, that team was awesome. I mean, they were really good. Now, we didn't see that at the time. We didn't know that. But you look back, and these guys, you know, their career goes on. That's how we figured that out. And so, <clears throat> when you when you project, uh, when was that? Seven years ago. So, in seven years, how many of these players on this team do you think we'll see in the NBA? How many of these players will be all-stars in Europe? How many of these players will be an all-star in Canada? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I, I mean, I, I – I, I don't know that the I don't I, I think there is a sty, is stylistic a word or did I make that? No, it's no, a word. Stylistic, it's okay, I'm sure. Right. It's be. So, okay, good. So I think there's a stylistic difference and a talent difference that clash when you have this conversation. I think that the 17 team, the way that we see it right now, had more talent. I think this style is a better brand of basketball because Frank's teams were known as being defensive, you know, uh, headaches for everybody. But it, but it didn't. JC said this earlier with Dane about how the offense that Lamont Paris wants to coach flows with his style of defense, the Bo Ryan deal. You know that that was not always the case with Frank Martin's teams, but they did get hot at the right time and they made that run with the talent that they had. This team is 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 different. It's their own brand of basketball, and that's what separates them. So I think that you can have it a couple of different ways. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think you've got a style difference and you've got a uh, a personnel difference. That that group there, as we see it right now, as we see it right now, the way it stands in, in this moment, was more was a little bit more talented. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any disagreement you don't have any disagreement on my end yeah i think you hit me on the head i'll also say this like and and i'm not beating up on clint he just happened to, to make the comment i think it's a very fair comment but i but i have seen i've heard some of this too from the game last night well they missed all these layups they missed all these layups. well carolina had something to do with that look man as it was pointed out to pat bradley last week when you make teams when you bend your knees for 30 seconds and play actual defense against teams that aren't used to seeing that night in and night out they get lazy and they get tired. And with about seven minutes to go in the game, and I know they missed a lot of bunnies early. I know that. I know that. But Matt, you're you're the basketball guy, so I'm going to tee it up and, and let you, you know, do whatever you want to do. <clears throat> they Carolina came out and punched Tennessee the way that Tennessee generally punches other teams. And if you're not used to that, you that's not what the Gamecocks did last year, right? Like the, the, last year was a total. This is what my system's going to be. We're going to have to work through the Kings. We got Gigi Jackson here. We got to, I don't know, we got to get through the year and then we're going to, you know, kind of continue to kind of cement who we want to be around here. They walked on the floor last night and were throwing uppercuts and doing what they wanted to do, play the physical brand of basketball that they wanted to play. Tennessee does not see that night in and night out. Generally, that's Tennessee giving it to the opponent 
And by the time they got halfway through the second half, those dudes were worn out. And Derek talked about it. Dane talked about it. Tom Hart talked about it. I mean, he, Tom Hart just flat out said, these guys are tired. And Dane said, yeah, you're yeah. right. And it was seven minutes to go in the game. And here's Carolina going, we ain't tired. Let's, let's play ball. So I think from the get-go, punching them in the mouth, I think that that style of defense had a lot to do, a lot to do with it. I'm not trying to take anything, like I'm not trying to, you know, just give South Carolina all the credit. Like Tennessee should have made some of their layups. I mean, let's be honest. But you get thrown off your rocker a little bit when you come out and get punched in the mouth. And Carolina did punch them in the mouth because they were up seven to nothing. And they were like, we're here to play ball. And in Tennessee kind of at that point in time had to kind of fall in line as opposed to set the tone. Well, I, one of the things that I would encourage everybody to do that follows the Gamecocks, you know, win or lose, you know, watch the press conferences, watch both, watch both coaches. Um, it's 15 minutes of your time, like seven minutes, seven minutes normally. But you've had back-to-back Hall of Fame coaches and John Calipari and Rick Barnes say, I've never seen my team miss the, <laughs> these types of layups. Like, we missed a lot of layups that we don't normally miss. And, you know, there's a reason. <laughs> the Gamecocks are doing something that's making these teams miss layups they don't normally miss. And at this point, it's a trend. It's not a fluke. It's not, oh, well, Tennessee wasn't focused. Kentucky wasn't focused. I, I bet they were pretty focused. And then they got hit in the mouth, like J, JB just said. And then it was, crap, we're down 7 nothing. <laughs> crap, these guys aren't going away. These guys are taking everything we got. And looking at the scoreboard, you know, I threw away my little sheet I had last night. I was in a good mood. And I said, forget it, you know. So, uh, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But, you know, Tennessee only had nine offensive rebounds in the game, too. So it wasn't like they were getting the opportunity for putbacks. It was the Gamecocks are cleaning up the mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree, man. It's like you just – I mean, I just said a minute ago, they held these last two teams to a combined 50 points. 50 points total under their season averages. 50 points. Kentucky missed bunnies. Tennessee missed bunnies. They both missed wide open. I mean, outside of Dalton Connect, what did they do offensively? <laughs> not much like they, they, they would have scored 25 points yeah i mean it, it was really a it was a it was an it was a horrible performance by their offense out, outside of one first round player that's it you know so i mean like i'm not I, I, I look i get it you know i get it but like this i i i said it earlier in the show and i'm not coming off of it because they deserve it they, this you know the narrative and the tone could be totally different next week. They go out and get beat a couple games, comes back down to earth. That's part of covering it. These guys have earned the respect. They're going to get it here. So, you know, Tennessee missed some layups last night. Carolina missed some wide open threes. At the end of the day, the result ain't changing. Gamecocks beat them on their home floor. And that's the first loss uh, since Missouri beat them last year. Pushed them in the mouth, just like they did Kentucky. Balls will try to return the favor later in the season. We'll see if it happens. But, Right now, Carolina is a half game out of first place because of what they're doing, not because of what other people are doing. And it's not only that, JB. You know, talking about the missed layups, Kentucky was putrid from the three point line, and so was Tennessee. And that has everything to do with that shot from twenty two feet. Gets a little bit harder when you're tired. Gets a little bit more difficult when you know that if you miss, the Gamecocks are going to get that get that defensive rebound. So. All in all, just, you know, what a team effort. I'm, I'm so impressed with, you know, what Josh Gray's been able to do here lately. 
uh, Morris Ugasaku. I don't know if you guys heard um, that I was sitting with some some random people that I didn't know um, at the Missouri game, and they call him Helsinki because I can't pronounce his last name. <laughs> the capital of Finland. So I'm going to call him Helsinki now. Um, Helsinki's out there doing some big things, uh, just valuable minutes, and I think he was going to redshirt. Now the future is really bright for that kid. Yeah, uh, he's um, I, I I thought that Mike did a great job talking about him in the Missouri game this weekend. If I don't know if y'all caught that, but Mike uh, told the story that he was told by Lamont that Morris Ugasuk follows Talon Cooper all over the place. He's got his hair like him now. He wants to be Talon Cooper when he grows up. That's a really good sign for the future of the point guard position at South Carolina um, because DeLon's an old man, isn't he, Matt? And then, yeah. and then here's this young buck over here who's just you know, like a little Taking kid. it all in. So pretty, neat. Up. Mm-hmm. pretty neat stuff. There's no doubt. All right. It's uh, 1244, and uh, we do need to step aside for a timeout. We'll get JC back here in just a in just a little while, as I pointed out earlier, I'm going to point it out again. Gamecock Traditions has your cues in. Uh, if you want to look good in the CLA next week, even if you're not going to the CLA, you just need something new. You have Valentine's Day coming up, you know. I don't know if anybody celebrates Valentine's Day, but if you do, maybe you give your spouse or your significant other, whoever it is, a Q-zip in honor of the 24 version of Gamecock Basketball. Uh, because uh, everybody, everybody's doing it if you haven't paid attention. The one question I have on this whole Q-Zip thing, though, guys, and we didn't get it clarified last night. Who do we need to get with? I need to get with Derek or Aly- Alyssa Lang has been all over this, so maybe she's got it jotted down somewhere. Is that the same undefeated black quarter zip, or is that a different one that he was wearing? Like the same design for sure is the Kentucky one. The, the yeah with the the block c over the ua logo that that is the fire q-zip that's the same one right it's the same one that he's mm-hmm. been winning in yeah well, you probably Undefeated. count on the fact you're gonna see that in athens then right <laughs> so now he has what two other undefeated q-zips as well so this is a like he's got and it might be four um <laughs> So, yeah, he's got some that he can rotate through. You know, he doesn't have to, you know, not change his socks, so to speak. Yeah, I, I would I would venture <laughs> a guess that yeah, he could probably manage to get his hands on whatever one he wants. Yeah. Being yeah. the head coach of the Gamecocks. I've, well, think about it. Think about it. Um, I've been in the baseball locker room before. And if it looks anything like that, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. yeah Coach Parrish, um, simple guy. Simple guy. I mean, I'm sure that he's got a closet full of them, and if he wants one, he'll get them, but he takes care of them. And it's yeah, it's always good to see that cues up. It's uh, it's it's certainly caught the attention of a lot of folks, and um, the uh, the nation is uh, has caught on to it as well. The national media has been pretty cool. So, GamecockTraditions.com to order one and have it delivered to your home. And if you want to visit either location, the Village at Sand Hill or in Lexington, get on board. It's the largest Under Armour dealer in the state of South Carolina. There are friends, and they're the friends of the Gamecock family. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com. We will hit a quick timeout. Don't go anywhere. Some football news when we return. 
Mike here for one of the better dining options in the capital city. You know, when I first moved there, I asked people around the radio station, where are the best wings? Well, the consensus was D's Wings. That was then. Today, they still have the best wings, but it's so much more. Now in their new location at 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia. Yeah, they get voted the best wings on a routine basis. Yes, they get voted the best sports bar on a routine basis, but they're not just about wings, and really, they're not just a sports bar. It is a family-run local restaurant and bar with 20 TVs and 25 beers on tap. And how about these daily specials? Every Monday night at D's, you've got 75-cent wings from 4 until closing. Tacos on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, 18 wings and a pitcher of beer for 29 bucks. You've also got ribs and oyster bucket specials on Thursday. And no matter how big the party is, 20 or more, no problem. Just call ahead of time, and they'll take terrific care of you. They'll do takeout as well. And guess what? A human will answer the phone and take the order. Billy and his staff do an outstanding job. Check out D's. 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia. It's 2024 and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey, Gamecock fans. Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating get yourself the three amigos bundles for tailgating they make catering easy with a fresh hot setup and again you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up you can also look them up online or you can even download the app salsaritas is just a cut above the rest that's why they're serving williams price stadium and the south stands also serving in the colonial life arena again that catering hotline number make it easy for you and the folks out there you don't need to settle for sandwiches every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 rescues and resin proud supporters of carolina rise they are also proud partners of the show they make products you can't get anywhere else custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate make your home or make anything stand out Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
Yeah, it's the final segment of Hour 2. Welcome back. Matt Anderson with the Late Night Gamecock Show. Joining Phil and myself, JC will be back here in just a, a couple of moments. Some interesting high school football news uh, last night. Great Falls High School has named Savelle Newton their next head football coach. If you're going to head to Great Falls, South Carolina this fall, that's who's going to be roaming the sidelines uh, coaching the program. So congratulations to Savelle. I don't know if that means he's moving out that way or, or what, but I know he's been in Columbia. I think he's been training guys um, for a while. So congratulations to Sav- Savelle Newton. Uh, on the note of Gamecock football, coming up on Friday, just before we come on the air, uh, Shane Beamer will introduce new head, uh, associate head coach and special teams coordinator Joe DeCamillis uh, to the media and the Long Family Operations building uh, across the street from Williams Bryce Stadium. So uh, South Carolina has now completed their staff again, and uh, Joe DeCamillis will, will will grace us with his presence. I'll mention this to we mentioned this to Hale yesterday. I told the story that Joe DeCamillis was one of those uh, in Dallas years ago when the roof caved in of the practice facility. He was one of the two people that – or a few, but he was one of two people that was majorly injured when it landed on him. Um, And um, the other uh, has a severed spinal cord. Uh, Joe DeCamillis was back coaching a few months later with a neck brace on, but I don't know if anybody knew that or not. Uh, we told the story yesterday, and um, so sure would love to see him asked about that. Uh, this guy's been around the block, and um, Matt, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since they hired Joe D. Camillus, but it's it was hard to imagine Shane Beamer would be able to upgrade that position. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully to Pete Lembo. I thought Pete Lembo was the best special teams coach in college football. Uh, Joe D. Camillus was not – a special teams coordinator in college football. He was for 28 years in the NFL until he was a special assistant to Steve Sarkeesian at Texas this past year. But there is a chance that they have upgraded uh, from Pete Limbo, which really is just insane, uh, thinking that uh, Shane Beamer is probably pretty good at it himself. Yeah, and it's it's one of the – kind of the thoughts I've been kind of mulling over since Limbo you know, got that awesome opportunity – um, up at Buffalo and wish him all the success in the world. But when you have the opportunity to have a guy that's been in the NFL that long as a special teams coordinator and, and Shane said he was only going to hire the best in the country or he was just going to do it himself. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the, the blueprint has been laid for what South Carolina wants to do on special teams. But I think that him having that associate head coach title and the impact I think he'll have on the coaching staff as a whole, bringing, his years of experience knowing, you know, what does it take to be a good defensive line? Well, guess what? He's seen it in the NFL. You know, what does it take to get this this mentality of toughness? Well, you don't stick around the NFL if you ain't tough. So, and that goes for coaches and players. So I think all in all, you know, as as much as it pains Gamecock fans to lose Pete Limbo, they should be really excited about this hire. And and frankly, all three hires, in my opinion. Yeah, and on top of that, the all of those hires have significant coaching experience. Um, you know, Jody, of course, Jody's been coaching a long time, now off to Missouri, Murray State to be the head coach. But, um, you know, still was, uh, it, it, at least at the collegiate level, 
a little, little wet behind the ears. That is not the case for James Coley. That is not the case for Markel Blackwell, the new running backs coach. And then, obviously, we know the situation here. Um, so, you know, Montario didn't have much coaching history either at all, honestly, mm-hmm. especially at this level. Right? Yeah. 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 And um, so it looks like Coach Beamer decided – I don't know if maybe he had a – a better, more interest or a better pool of candidates. I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not even speculating that. I, I have no clue. Um, but, but it certainly looks like, nonetheless, this go around, he decided to go after some guys who have, um, who've got a, a pretty darn good track record at the craft in which he wanted to hire them to at South Carolina versus maybe what. What what once was a couple of years ago when he and to maintain that. Justin's step on that offensive coaching staff can't be understated either. Um, and you know when you look at James Coley, you know, he's coached off offensive coordinator, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. He's kind of coached all over the field, and that allows him to be in a position to get a, a job at South Carolina. And I think you know with with what Shane said, and you know it's, sometimes I feel like it might be tough to kind of mentor someone your own age as the head coach and, you know, with Justin step, you know, moving over to tight ends, I think that that puts um, step in a great position. I think it, it really helps the tight ends, especially a kid like Josh Simon, who is just waiting to be unlocked. And then, you know, a fresh set of eyes on the wide receivers where it's a blank slate now, you know, yeah. blank slate. And you're going to have the opportunity to use his connections and recruiting down in, in Florida, but also around the country. You know, he's had James Coley has relationships everywhere and then all Blackwell's done as a running backs coach is produce. <laughs> he's produced everywhere he's been, getting the most yeah. out of his running backs. And and look, you know, no disrespect to Montero Hardesty, but it was lacking in recruiting a little bit. Now, Montero had a great relationship with his room. His room loved him. Now, mm-hmm. um, the difference is now fresh slate there, too. And I think that was really important with all the transfers that the Gamecocks brought in in that running back room and Matthew Fuller coming in as well as a freshman now open competition and let's go get after it and best guy's going to play, which I think will be rocket Sanders, but that development that's going to take place in that room, I think is going to be really big for the Gamecocks long-term success. Yeah. They got a lot of guys who've been around now uh, on that, on that uh, coaching staff. And so it'll be interesting to see. This is going to be a really fascinating spring, man. It's going to be a really, really, really fascinating spring with new coaches a bunch of new transfers who are expected to come in and, and play, a bunch of young talent that's kind of going into year two. I mean, you got a, you got everybody trying to get to know each other, and um, April, think, March, and April are going to be going to be something to see. Well, it's going to be big too because remember, guys, Travian still hasn't been here a year yet, <laughs> and you know that nastiness that that Brad Lowen installed in Travian. And look, Travian didn't need much help in that department. He kind of came in nasty. Um, Nicest guy in the world off the field, though. Uh, I've had a couple of classes with Travian, and um, I've told that story before. But anyway, long story short, Travian's going to, you know, has a, he has talent to work with. There was nothing wrong with the talent on the defensive line this season. It was, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, something didn't click. And now Travian has, you know, a full spring. He's had a full, you know, season with these guys. And I think you're going to see some nastiness with Travian. I think Travian's going to be a stud, a stud assistant coach at this level for a very long time. Yeah, I agree. He's um he's he's a tough nut to crack, and uh, giving him a full off season in spring, fall, summer, fall, all that type of stuff. He's he's that those guys, as it was described to me last week by 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 somebody you know in that program, 
Um, Travian Robertson, and I know we got to get a break here, but incredibly, incredibly prepared to to a different level. He he just comes in year one. You're working out the kinks. You got all. You got a bunch of stuff going on. They're getting to know you. You're getting to know them. Yes, that's part of it, but also. It takes time to get that mean streak sometimes into a group that maybe didn't have it. You might get in one or two players, but collectively as a group, if they don't all have it, it's it's going to be a struggle. I think you saw that last year. And as it was described to me last week, um, that ain't going to be the case in 2024 um, as long as he's the defensive line coach, which he is. Good news. So we'll see what that means. I don't know. Speaking of mean streaks, Phil gets very, very upset when we don't get out on time. So let's do that. <laughs> Got an hour to go. What a day for the game, guys. It's going to be another really good night of hoops, too. We'll tell you about that when we return on ITG. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend, a career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres. Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you diagnose your swing and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call them at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup Swing Shop. Play ball.
It's the final hour inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back to the Sinorama Studios. JC rejoins Matt Anderson, JB, and Dog. One more hour to go if you missed our interview earlier with Dane Bradshaw from the SEC Network. He was in uh, in the opening hour. He called the game in Knoxville last week. Also called the game in Columbia, or last night. Called the game in Columbia last week. So he's been a good luck charm of sorts uh for carolina basketball and um we will all uh, be shuffling through the sec network schedule moving forward to figure out when he will next be courtside uh to help uh, lamont and the boys continue to improve on that 18 and 3 6 and 2 record that they've got in the sec i see um a lot of the <laughs> i always laugh when this comes up because i don't care I could care less about who the apparel provider is for anybody. I just don't care. I don't care. But it's always so fun. Oh, I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and I want that. I mean, does it affect the team? I mean, Under Armour is also uh, – Auburn is an Under Armour school. How bad are they? They're pretty good, aren't they? So is Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a pretty good basketball program. I mean, Utah's Texas a pretty Tech. good basketball program. Maryland. Maryland's a pretty good basketball program. I, I whatever. Just, just pay us the most money and we'll be fine. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, like, like I got news for everybody. Like, I can tell you right now what's not happening. I can tell you what's not happening. What do you think about this, Coach? You like that? Yeah, that feels pretty good. What do you think about this one? That feels pretty good. Okay. Well, how much money are y'all giving us? Well, uh, over ten years. Uh, we'll give you two point seven five million a year, so about thirty million. And uh, but but you're gonna get X number of dollars in apparel. You can have whatever you want. Cool, that sounds good. How much money are you giving us? We're gonna give you seven point five million a year. Where do I sign it? That's what happens. <laughs> okay, that's how it works. <laughs> so like, you know, I, sorry. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody, but Under Armour pays more than Nike does. And so that's why a lot of these schools go with them. Now, I don't know if they'll re-up. They might not. Um, I think the thing to watch there is Dawn Staley because women buy shoes too. No. Uh, <laughs> You've the, got the, to the be thing, kidding me. Uh, see, it's, it's Republicans, JC. The thing with uh. Nikes is, it, it, Nike is they have so many schools that it's, it's not in their best interest to overpay. They're Nike. No. They don't have to. Right, uh, they get sought out, right? But there's value in being aligned with Dawn Staley. We're fifty percent of your market, a lot of value. And so, when this next contract comes up, which I think is in 2026, when yeah. you're talking about Jump Band, the Jordan brand, or you're talking about just regular old Nike, <clears throat> just keep your eye on that one. You know, I mean, as far as that goes, because I think. Uh, in the sport of basketball, shoes matter not as much as people make them out to be. I mean, you can't blame having a losing program on Under Armour. 
Uh, but the kids do prefer other other things, you know. Uh, football. I, I prefer Nike shoes over here. Yeah, anything. football, the cleats. Uh, I, I don't know that the cleats are as bad of a situation as some people make it out to be, but I know the players, a lot of them by and large, don't, don't think they're very comfortable. <laughs> air walks. So, God, I forgot you know? about those. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, air walks and Jinkos, Bruin. Air walks and Jinkos. Why don't we just get them a – a Jinko contract with some airwalks and go to Puma or, or, or uh, Skechers. I'd rather just go back to the old Russell days. Where's Russell Athletic? Oh my God, dude, that was that that was bad. Russell Athletic was bad. I mean that that those uniforms, the, the Holtz uniforms, the, the year that Carolina was actually pretty good. That was that were supposed to be garnet. That were bright. The Nebraska red. I mean. No. I don't miss those days. I think well, Under Armour's Under Armour's done a good job. They've just it's probably just run its course. I think you know. I think that if you can get a better deal with a bigger brand and the money's the same, go do it. You know I mean, yeah, I always um, I always love those old Cincinnati Jumpman jerseys back in the late nineties. Those were those were pretty fresh. Um, mm-hmm. And Antonio Grant sunk those Cincinnati Bearcats one time on the on the hardwood. Yeah, that was, a lot of that, fun. Was, that was a big comeback since he was up by 19 at half. Uh, yeah. What was was Frank Martin at Cincinnati? Frank Frank won at Cincinnati, but this no, nah, he was in high school out of Miami still. Yeah, um, right. But right. the 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 impressive win was the year before when the 97 team went up there. And that game, I remember, it was a it was like a weird big time non conference game in the middle of like early February. Carolina went up there and beat them by 14, scored 97 points at Cincinnati, one going away. Uh, so that was a nice little two and zero stretch there. Uh, for those that really want a history lesson, Carolina used to play Cincinnati home and home every single season as members of the Metro Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry not to be rude here. I, what did this have to do with Under Armour and Nike brands? Nothing. Like how did we? How did we get to Cincinnati basketball? Nobody and knows. Jumpman jerseys. Jump jump jerseys. That's how we got jump there. Jump oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't miss something. Pause. Yeah. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's it's the one o'clock hour, JB. Mm, yeah, I just, just it's a stream to... of consciousness uh, segment here. You know, just whatever, just top of the dome. You know. Sorry, just just checking in from Earth. <laughs> Earth. Well, you started this whole thing, JB. You came out of break talking about Under Armour. That's how we got here. Well, yeah, really, because that's kind of throwing you threw us off here. Because you're like the last one to ever bring up the apparel thing, right? Well, I. I I don't know how it got brought up in, in, at all. I, I just saw it pop up, and I was like, uh, I yeah, think there was I, a Phil Knight reference, and then... There, there's never been a recruit that picked another school because of shoes, right? Now, in, in basketball, if the, if the shoe company sponsors their AAU team, chances are they're going to one of those schools, right, Matt? I mean, that's Nyan a safe bet. Nyon was Adidas all the way. Yeah, and he went, went to Duke, Nike. And that, yeah. was, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Know, it doesn't always happen. But he owed about that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Well, I mean, Adidas, though, I mean, they were getting into some bad stuff right around that time, you know. But uh, I think that uh, – does it matter sort of? Well, but I don't I know. Wonder, it's, it's not something to sit here and, 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 and put at the top of the list, right? I, I wonder at what point in time is all this going to change because here's what I'm getting at. Um. I know where you're going with this, and it's smart. Yeah, right? I mean, that's an NIL thing. So, like, 
where what point in time i mean you want you know is 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 all this going to go away and under armor is going to say wait why don't we just start investing in the player instead of boston university and coastal carolina and jackson state and you know i mean the the biggest brands for under armor are auburn south carolina texas tech wisconsin and utah and the biggest brand is notre dame okay so, like, Notre Dame is their top seller, clearly. But at what point in time does, you know, does all this start going to the player? And then for the players that don't get the, you know, whatever big contract or whatever it is, they just opt into the apparel deal that's that the school has. I mean, you can't like at some point in time, you can't hold everybody hostage. How do the pros do it? It's like, because I know like you have different athletes that promote different brands. So the pros, the way that works, JC is, and I can't remember who the, who the lead sponsor is, but they sponsor the entire NBA's jerseys. The league's Reebok, I think. Isn't it Reebok? I don't, I don't know who they are right now, but then the players have their own deals. Who are you talking about? The NFL? NBA. Oh, NBA. NBA is one, one apparel company is the logo on all the jerseys. And yeah. then after that, yeah. the players yeah. have their own. They, they have a loop, right? Shoes. Yeah. They, so like, exactly. I mean, the NFL's got Nike, but <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I'm more of a. I mean, I can talk. I guess football too. I haven't had the same conversations with my buddies who play in the NFL. I can tell you right now, the big leaguers that I know, they got deals with all kinds of people, from bats to gloves to you know wh- <laughs> whatever it is. Where is that, dude? Because you got all kinds uh, of equipment, man. Oh, I mean, smoke. They used to send smoke boxes in boxes of bats i mean boxes dude like you'd walk in there'd be a hundred brand new wood bats i'm like what are you gonna do with all this oh break them yeah all right well but like but i mean you you get that with shoes and stuff i mean so like where, where i'm going with this is like at what point in time is somebody gonna figure out a way to where under armor or nike or whatever can be the official brand of the university of south carolina but the players aren't gonna be required to wear like the the um the accessories like that might be that might be the jersey okay so let me ask you this way let me ask you yeah like it might be a league thing matt like the sec signs with nike okay all right so but so here's what i'm getting at though like with basketball in particular you really think that the players at south carolina give a crap that there's an under armor logo on the jersey or is it just because they'd rather like let's say they're like we don't like under armor you don't like the Under Armour jersey, or you want Nike shoes. What is it? Uh, you know what? I think it's just I just want Nike shoes. Okay, bingo. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, nobody really cares about the logo that's on the jersey. It's about the shoes and basketball. Well, it's funny. It's funny because, I mean, I've, I've known a lot of college basketball players, and a lot of them did like Nike because they just got – just bags full of shoes and like they would actually make money selling the shoes that they didn't want um, to the college to college kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were making money that way. So it was more, it was more cool to be with Nike than Adidas, but it's on game day. They didn't give a rat's behind. They were just yep. going to go play. Hey, I know college baseball players that sold their Nike turf shoes to people. They were like, yeah. they gave me six boxes of these. I only need one. So hundred dollars a box and you can have it. And they're 500 more all in five points. These were not South Carolina baseball players. Just so everybody knows uh, they all played at Clemson. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so Nike has all three major sports leagues that we care about. Yeah, or yeah. that I care about. 
They got they got baseball, back to, basketball. And yeah, ninety six, ninety seven. Gamecocks were Converse. Oh, that was pretty cool. Um, we well, used to be. Split. I, I got free shoes being a ball boy from Converse. I thought Converse yeah. was coming back. Did I miss the memo on that? I thought I, a few years ago people were wearing basketball it. and football used to be different because while the Gamecocks were with um, at Russell Athletic, they were Nike in basketball um, or Converse. Maybe Eddie. Eddie. I think Converse under Fogler and a day because I remember Dave Odom's teams were Nike teams. Mm-hmm. So yeah, times have changed. They want the university, and it's going to go to the league. And then when all this breaks up, every every team's in a free for all. Then we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Now, but one interesting thing Spurrier did, which which kind of leads me to believe there are, are some opinions about the Under Armour cleats or, or some cleats. When Spurrier got there, he's like, "We're not wearing the Russell Athletic cleats." So for for his first two years, Carolina signed a separate cleat deal with Reebok. And the Gamecocks yeah. wore Reebok cleats and Russell Athletic jerseys and such. Because Spurrier yeah. was a big Nike guy at um, at Florida, but uh, they embraced the Under Armour. The Under Armour deal, what had happened in 07, guys, was a big deal. Oh, it was a huge yeah. deal. Everybody loved it. It was, it it was a groundbreaking house. deal. I mean, yeah. it's it's still one of the top deals in the country right now. Yeah. But the window opens, is it January 1, or is there another date? But So you have a you have a one-year negotiating window. So in I which you, yeah, you know what I mean. Next year, this time next year, I think year so. So they'll start. They'll, they'll start doing all their exploration stuff. They've already started it, but like they'll it'll really crank up this year. Nobody's going to hear anything about it. Like, don't ask us in six months. Hey, any word on that? We won't know. <laughs> nobody, nobody will know. And then next <laughs> year, <laughs> yeah, like we won't know anything. Nobody will know anything. And then next year, it'll be the negotiating window. And so, what happens? If I've got my facts correct on this, because I went through this a few years ago with with Carolina trying to make sure that I got it right so we could talk about it, is that Under Armour gets to come back to the table and have first right of refusal, and they 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 pitch their deal. South Carolina's got X number of time to figure out whether they want to accept that deal or not. If they choose not to, they can go to the open market, and then and then Under Armour becomes like everybody else, uh, where they all uh, will essentially make their pitch and give their bid to Carolina and then the Gamecocks will negotiate whatever deal they want to negotiate and then they'll sign it and then 26 is maybe it might be fiscal but in in somewhere in 26 is when it has to be fiscal because the school year runs through the through June sure yeah so so they may actually start this thing may open up like in July sometime Mm because it's 2024 uh, I would think so we'll see what happens now look you know it's uh you want my opinion on it? I think you know. I think there is a desire out there with fans, players, coaches to to maybe go in a different direction with, but it has to be the right thing. I mean, you you don't want to be the only Puma school out there, you know. You uh, might want to be, and, and you don't want to throw money away either. I mean, if it's a difference between ten million uh, over the course of the contract, you're not gonna you're gonna go with Under Armour. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You don't. Because you know, Stone Cold there, there, said there, so. There, there's yeah. money needs. That's the and yeah. that's the bottom line. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, but anyway, well, Clint, I, hey Clint, Duckhead is coming back. I wore Duckhead when I was a kid. A lot of people were like Duckhead. Like I see college kids now wearing Duckhead. They think it's so cool. I'm like, dude, that was cool in 1995 when I was a kid. Y'all don't even know what Duckhead. They think it's some new brand. Dude, Duckhead, Duckhead, Duckhead clothes. Yeah, I was at one of those little boutique places. 
they're like $85 a polo right yeah. now. I'm like, dude, they're, they're, goodwill, they're to, man. you can grab 10 of them. <laughs> I know, dude, there used to be a Duckhead outlet in Santee. Does anybody remember the old outlet mall in Santee along I-95? There was a Duckhead store in there. And we would go there and it, it, spend hours in there. And then it, literally my, my little, not little bit, one of my cousins, during the holidays, boyfriends that you know they're wearing duckheads. Yeah, man, have you ever seen duckheads before? I'm like, oh, God, boy, you, you, that was you the bomb in the eighties, dog. Yeah, my dad the used to wear the duckhead polo and the <laughs> yeah. tight ass. I mean, the tight butt jamming yeah. shorts and uh-huh. the duckhead polo. Yeah, man, there's many uh, old football coaches that would, would wear that exact get up to, to practice. Yeah. yeah, it was hot, man. It was hot. Wearing those khaki shorts in the summer was not cool. Like you can wear the, the Under Armors and the Nikes now. You know, you golf. Shorts. You play golf and you got the good mesh shorts. They're nice. They're classy. Back then, you had to just wear those sweaty, frumpy. Uh, like tiger woods used to walk around the big baggy like khakis like on the golf course it's 106 in augusta you're like oh man how did they do that back then oh it's crazy but yes that uh jared you're right that santee outlet mall is yeah it's not even dead it's like a disaster but good news head on up by 95 and you'll get to florence and we can all spend some time together at south of the border in the backseat of some pod's car. Do what? Bucky's. There's a Bucky's before. So, yeah, the, yeah, oh, no, I'm a south of the border guy. Give me give me the drugs and the ba- the, 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 the high school the kids drugs. making out in the back of the cars and stuff like that. I want to stay in one of those teepees one night. Uh, it's the teepee hotel room. I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> they want to bring you a hazmat suit. If you ever want to be alive again, <laughs> I don't think you should do that. <laughs> they do have a reptile farm up there or whatever that my youngest enjoyed because my wife took the girls here recently just on a one-off and be like you know because we mentioned it we're like i've never you've never been the south of the border well you got to see it at least once yeah exactly see the views you're like wow i mean it, it, it's one of those places it's, it's weird because it looks like there's a lot going on then you get off the interstate there's just not a lot going on there's you know, nothing going on it's kind of creepy well, there there are things going on, but uh, yeah, they're not but, but legal. I, I think that I think Allie feels young. That's knowing her. She's one of these very inquisitive types. Like she'll sit there and talk about animals and stuff. So I bet the reptile farm there was well, that was an outstanding trip to take. To be honest, but oh yeah, she, I don't know, she, man. She still talks you know, about it. It's been, it's been a couple months. <laughs> the, the, the the seashell store and all that, you know. But I don't know. Phil, Phil's keeping south of the border open. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Braddock says a lot of people swear that the injuries on the football team are due to Under Armour cleats. Here's my thing. Okay. Then I want to look at Notre Dame's injuries, Auburn's injuries, Texas Tech's injuries, Maryland's injuries. Anybody else that has Under Armour, I want to look at them and, and see if, if that's true because I don't think it is. Um, I would love for that to be the case that all you do is change apparels and, and you don't have injuries anymore. I don't know what. Yeah, it is. If there were empirical that evidence. Awesome. That, it would be easy to find, and then yeah, it would be easy to rectify. For all the shoes, you just yeah you know, get rid of that contract, that, and they they still have to pay you the money because it's a complete material breach of a contract. I think that that you're on JC. You nailed it. Get get Coach Tanner on the horn, and let's give him a a little bit of advice before he makes this this next deal with whoever they make it with. Look here, you need to have them write in, guaranteed. No injuries 
if you can guarantee no injuries, we'll we'll t- we'll we'll wear your stuff, and let's see who signs off on it. Well, think about even the the Nike shoes. How many times does Zion tear those things up? <laughs> Almost ended his career. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Bro, he had one. Like, didn't he have one explode on him? Like it just yeah. exploded yeah. at Duke. Yeah. Yep. Now that was yeah, that put him off a few games, didn't it? Like that was an injury that was, injury. Could, that was you guys. That was Nike, man. right? Could, yeah, yeah, that was man. Nike. Could you guys imagine if that happened here with some Under Armour something, <laughs> cleats, whatever? Oh, Could you yeah. imagine the uproar? Coach Tanner has lost his mind. Under Armour, <laughs> people be burning their Under Armour stuff in effigy. I mean, <laughs> it would be a, if that happened here to a player and it was an Under Armour product. Oh my God. Because then everybody that thinks it's all the shoes that they they have Justified. some tangible evidence. Yeah, and they're like, Justified. "Oh my lord, we we need to get rid of these. We need to banish them from the face of the earth." I love Casey's Cajun accent that comes out. Right I know, <laughs> but yeah, the pre- well, some of these guys that complain sound like like preachers. Like they get altered about it. I'll tell you this right now about Ray Tanner. <laughs> Ray Tanner. Ray Tanner. Ray Tanner. In his defense, you got the, the, the shoes that explode on our players. This is just awful. This is, I swear, <laughs> this I say it's awful. Ray Tanner, Ray Tanner, Ray Tanner. You were the blight, dark spot on our athletic department, sir. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, yeah, but if that happened here, it would be, I, I wouldn't want to come to work because it would be like, oh my God. But rain uh, us in, JB. Rain us in. But look, I am. We uh, got break. <laughs> I know, but like, but that that's that's. But see, God, yeah. Love, so so I that should it. be Under Armour's pitch. Hey, at least one of our shoes didn't explode. That's right. Yeah. Our shoes buy our shoes. It. They don't buy explode. Yeah. <laughs> buy our shoes. They don't explode. Get the PF, PF Flyers sponsored by I'm, Benny the Jet. <laughs> That's the, the JC there that you can do one more pre- impression uh, before we go to break it, but you have to steal it from Arby's. But it's for Under Armour. Under Armour, we have the feet. We have the feet. That guy, yeah. And the feet. I'm never eating Arby's again because I'm thinking, like, what if that was like that, that big beef mold? They sliced the roast beef off. Was it just like a big, like a bunch of congealed feet, like feet meat oh from God. various sources? <sighs> Dixie Vodka, Sports Network. If you feel like you've eaten a shoe at Arby's, Order down some Dixie Vodka, DixieVodka.com. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie Vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more and they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. 
electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. Carolina here in 24, Dane Bradshaw. Pretty well said there at the end of the broadcast. Tonight we'll look back on what transpired. Uh, Carolina closed out balls on their home court, Thompson Bowling Arena, now 18 and 3, 6 and 2. Lamar's one win shot, time two win shots of setting the all time record in South Carolina. Most wins in his second year. As the head coach of this uh, program, it was back in 19, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 19, where did it go? There it is, 87, 88, George Felton. I knew it was George Felton. Uh, 1987, 1988, George Felton went 19 and 10 that season, 6 and 6 in the Metro Conference. 
Uh, Mont gets to 19. That'll be the most wins in year two ever by a South Carolina head coach. Uh, yeah. And uh, could uh, could could break the record here over the next couple. If that's if that's such a thing, but it it is a thing when you win 11-21 last year uh, with with GG Jackson. I gotta say something too. We really didn't get to uh, didn't get enough into this guy yet, and he deserves it. So here you go, Josh. That's off to Josh Gray, man. I mean, Michi is is a story because he's an outstanding basketball player, and he's had a couple of games where it just just hadn't been for him. I know we were all texting last night, and I thought. Michi needed to have a pretty good second half, which he actually really did. He just missed a couple of shots. He he did get one from long range, uh, but he's only got three points in his last two games, and we all well know that that is un-Michi-like, big time. And clearly the story of the year is Talon Cooper and B.J. Mack. All these other guys have had their, their days in the sun, and hopefully they'll all continue to. Um, Colin Murray Boyles is becoming a hell of a basketball player, what he does with and without the ball. Um, Jacoby Wright has hit some big shots. Miles Studi last night couldn't have won the game without him being back. Holy smokes. Uh, Zach Davis and so on and so forth. But Josh Gray, it wasn't that long ago, guys, where it was nobody knew like what Josh Gray's future was at South Carolina. I mean, from November 19th until January 20th, he didn't play more than nine minutes in a basketball game, and he didn't score more than one basket. Um, and then it all changed. I mean, you know, certainly the the win at Missouri, they couldn't have had it with him hitting those that pair of free throws. And I I don't know if y'all remember, we cut them on the next day and kind of patted him on the back and thought, well, maybe that'll get him going. Uh, and then, you know, they, they, they lose the Georgia game, but he only played three minutes and then he goes to Arkansas and he gets nine minutes, six points, four boards, two assists, Kentucky, 11 minutes, six boards, nine points, Missouri, three boards, five points. Uh, he's got a block shot in that game, played 13 minutes yesterday, Tennessee, six points, seven board, played 14 minutes and he, we didn't even really see him for a while. Like, we would see him for a couple of minutes. We saw, he played, what, two minutes in the Clemson game. Played two minutes in the Charleston Southern game. Three minutes in the Winthrop game. We keep going on and on and on. Um, and didn't even we didn't even see him from December 19th until Saturday, January the 6th. Ran off, I know I'm rambling here, but ran off the floor early in one game. Very frustrated. I've been in a locker room, Okay. I think we've all been enough. We all cover sports. We understand how locker rooms work. Guys, especially in year two of a program when you inherit a kid who came from a previous coaching staff, it is it, it can go awry quickly, can it? When you get a kid who's unhappy either with himself or with the staff or with something, and after he's transferred into the program, he feels like he's going to have a chance. He, he gets a bunch of PT last year, has more of a role, Gamecocks bring a bunch of transfers in. Things aren't working out. He's not playing well. He, he, he Mentally, he looked just out of it. How about Josh Gray? And how about Lamont and his staff for finding a way to make sure that this kid understood the value on this program? There's a lot of bat uh, backs that need to be padded for this. 
and he's a valuable member moving forward. It's he deserves a major hat tip. I think and his teammates, Go his ahead. teammates deserve it too. Because if, if you remember after the Georgia loss where he had those string of missed free throws and, you know, couldn't imagine. I mean, it's it, it's it's not the equivalent, but it's like when Jared Cook dropped that pass against Auburn all those years ago. And I remember seeing Jared on campus and he had his hood up, hunched over, walking around for two weeks because he couldn't get it. He couldn't let it go. And everybody was on him. But you heard Michi and you heard Talon talking about after those missed free throws, you know, we believe in you, big guy. And. You know, when we give you the ball in the post, go freaking dunk it. And yeah. guess what? He's doing it now. Yeah. I think Arkansas game, the light came on. Something, it did. And then that Georgia game, in fairness to Josh, I mean, we're going to focus on the missed free throws because it was a five-point game and missed free throws were, were kind of the difference. But um, in that Georgia game, I thought defensively, I mean, how, how many block shots? He had two or three block shots in that game. He had two, yeah. Uh, playing really well defensively in that one. And – I I think the whole thing with Josh the whole time has been you need to understand how good you are. Like like who like like you need to understand you're seven feet tall and two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Yeah. You, you know, you Act go like up, it. ain't nobody gonna stop you, bro. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and stop, stop lot and, and he there's every now and then he'll revert back to that hole. I'm gonna try to bank it off the way. Just go up and dunk it, dog. Uh, and and he started doing that in the Arkansas game. And and I think w- when you're able to do that, dunks, you know, as someone that played basketball and, and those of the, 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 that understand, and it's pretty obvious because it gets the crowd. Dunks, number one, are the most high flying. Like you feel so on cloud nine when you when you when you dunk the ball. Uh, and then it also gets the crowd going, and it's also humiliating for the other team. Mm-hmm. Like that's like one of those unspoken basketball things. It, it's nobody wants to be dunked on, and so I think it helps the entire team. But he just goes up and just crap, you know. Um, yeah. But did he did he go up last night and miss the entire basket though? There was one one ugly play he had last night. But I mean that's nitpick. Everybody's got Michi Johnson has a ton of ugly plays near the rim. Um. But I think that Ar- I noticed in the Arkansas game, guys, I was like, you know, he's he's just doing what he's been coached to do now, and that's made all the difference. And you know, he was one of the happiest ones after the win. I mean, you know, he's had kind of a long journey to South Carolina. Um, well, and I want to add a couple of things to that too. You mentioned the Arkansas game. I don't know if y'all remember going into the Arkansas. Does anybody remember what we did against Arkansas last year? Uh-huh. I remember. I remember very well. Twenty points and fourteen rebounds. Oh, okay. And yeah, I'm going right. into the Arkansas game this year, thinking, you know, sometimes it takes a familiar face to kind of get you going. You know, when you're down in the dumps a little bit, sometimes you you're like, oh man, you know, I beat up on these guys. And I, so I agree with you, JC. I think that I mean the Arkansas game was a turning point for him. Um, I think a lot of that had to do because it was a confidence thing. I think he felt confident because last year he had really controlled those guys. Um, he was, he was, they lost the game. If y'all remember, it was a close game, but they lost, but God, you know, you felt like, holy, holy smokes, 20 and 14. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that doesn't just happen. Like you, you, you got to work to get 20 and 14. And so I kind of thought that maybe that would help him. And you're right. It did. And, uh, and ever since then he's continued to get more playing time and more playing time. And I'll add this and then I will, um, concede my time to the gentleman in the backwards hat. 
Um, but um, Derek, last year, I think it was last spring, we were talking to Derek. And he made, do y'all remember when he made the point about uh, Josh and telling the story about when they were sitting there talking on the bus? Do y'all remember the story? Do y'all, does anybody remember that? Oh, vaguely. Okay. He described him as a big teddy bear. And to, to JC's point, saying, dude, you're seven feet, 265 pounds. Whip someone's ass. You know, act like it. Get out there and dunk it on somebody. Slam the ball in somebody's face like you tried to do last year at Coastal Carolina. Be mean. Hurt somebody. You know, but he is like a big, nice kid. Um, and I think that there's something to that and like getting him to understand his body and getting him to play like he's capable of playing. So I'm a big fan of his because it's easy to quit. It's easy to quit. And he didn't quit. And uh, and Lamont Parents and his staff deserve a ton of praise, too, for continuing to find a role and find value in kids. like Because, Matt, you know what I'm saying. You know exactly what I'm saying. Sometimes when kids, they throw in the towel or, you know, they get frustrated, it's very easy as a coach to say, it's my way or the highway, get out. But they did not do that with this kid. They knew damn well they're going to need him. And he is, he's proven his worth the last few games. He deserves a bunch of credit. Yeah, man. You talk about that 20 and 14 game, and that's that's working, right? And guess what? That 14 is harder than that 20. That's The 14 is yeah. a lot harder than the 20. Um, but I don't know if you guys are called it, or you probably, I know you guys probably watched it, but it, even like when he was in the post game press conference after Kentucky, and one of the questions he got asked was, you know, Kentucky has those three seven footers. And Josh said, well, I'm seven foot as well. <laughs> he said, <"Yeah, laughs> I'm a pretty big guy myself. And that's when he made the note of, or he made the mention of the players yeah. picking him up and saying, just dunk it. And he was like, it was almost like a light went off. He's like, man, I can just dunk it. That's a lot easier than what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Why don't I just yeah. do that every time? Right. So, um, yeah, the light came on and, you know, who knows what happened behind closed doors. It might've been some hard coaching. And it might have been some teammates picking him back up and saying, we still believe in you. And, you know, the opportunity he's getting I mean, last year, I think if you look at his last like 10 games, he was averaging like eight rebounds a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was playing well. The Gamecocks weren't winning, but he was playing well. So, well, hats I off think to him. and I think the middle it's mental for him, Matt. It's mental and I can prove it even more because in that Georgia game, remember how bad the free throws were between him and Colin Murray Boyles? Everybody's, oh, they missed free This team can't shoot free throws. I'll be damned. They can't shoot. Forget in the gym and shoot those damn free throws. I tell you what, this guy sucks. Blah, 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 blah. You know, all these guys that come out of the woodworks and tell you. Does anybody realize outside of the game that Josh Gray, since November the 19th, has hit 80% of his free throws? 80%. Which is huge. One game where mentally he domed up, and he couldn't hit him. He has hit eighty percent of his free throws since November the nineteenth. The guy can shoot. He can shoot free throws. He had a bad game. And a lot of that stuff's mental, you know. And exactly, that's what I'm saying. Piles up, and the, you know, then the mess yeah. pile up. I mean, you know, you ever been sitting at a blackjack table and you can't win, and then you can't lose? <laughs> Things basketball is a game of runs, um, always, forever, and you know, it's a game of runs playing the game too individually. You know, when you get yeah. hot, sometimes we've seen it with Michi. That rim might as well be five feet in diameter because it's going in from wherever he fires it from. Great. And that's going to happen again. Um, one quick question I had. I've been, I was thinking about this earlier today. I can't keep up with the COVID years. Does Josh Gray have another year if he wants it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I he has at least one more. Yeah. So yeah, he's got. Uh, so Josh 2021 was the one that they gave him. 
Um, so he's next year would be his final year. So we might not have seen the best out of Josh Gray yet. I don't. In the I don't think we have. I agree. With that. I don't think we've seen the best out of. Him. I think we've seen. I mean, he had twenty points and fourteen rebounds. I mean, you know, maybe we saw the best game he'll ever have. But from a consistency standpoint, I don't think so. I think I think the guy could end up being a dude that uh, saves his best for last. I mean, I really do. You, you know, go back to the off season. He's going to be a veteran next season. That's uh, assuming he returns to South Carolina. I mean, you, I'm not saying there's anything. Oh God! What do you know, there. JC? What do you know? There's nothing. He's I know leaving? nothing. But oh. I, I, I will qualify He'll tweet that it. with every single player. Great transferring sports. Lamont Paris. I'll say that before every 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 player, every major sport. If they return, where's yeah, where's, where's Paris Never know. Um, he's going yeah, to Tennessee. Josh, Rick Barnes is retiring. Paris to Tennessee. Josh Gray. Josh out. isn't from South going? Carolina either. He's from uh, he's from New York. So. What, yeah, if, uh, what if Ricky P, Ricky Petito calls? Come on, play for the Johnnies, baby. Unbelievable. Rick <laughs> Petito. Uh, anyway. Uh, well, but no, if he comes like, back next year, the guy could end up being a, a very, very good player. I mean, you see flashes there. and You can't coach seven, 260 whatever pounds he is. I mean, you just can't, can't coach that. And he's not – He's got some well, you can coordination wise, but he's a good athlete. He's not a bad athlete, you know. You're right. You're right, JC. He's not. He's not a bad athlete at all. Actually, um, you know, he's a, he's a big guy that's got some goofiness to him. Um, they all do, <laughs> but um, he's a, a career 51.7 percent field goal shooter. Uh, it's just it's just you know him learning to manage his body and understand what what he's able to do. Let me slide a couple of things in here. We got it, Phil. We got one more timeout, right? Uh, we're we've satisfied our obligations. We have, we have. Well, I'll be John Brown. How about that? Uh, also, elsewhere last night in college basketball in the backyard of the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan, Georgia Tech 74 to 73. Uh, after North Carolina saw South Carolina was getting a bunch of love, they figured, well. Yeah, we can't have that. Someone coughed this thing up and let the Yellow Jackets take it home. <laughs> and so they did. Uh, looked. At, did, did y'all think that was a foul at the end of the game? Jay Williams, of course, wanted it to be, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't called. Y'all was a foul at the end when North Carolina tried I to have, get I haven't home. seen it. Got a little bump? Was it? Got a little bump? No call? It's a huh? little bump. I, I wouldn't – You know, I don't think you call that. I think it's a it's good, a good no call. I don't either. I, I thought – I agree. I, I don't think that you – did you call that? Here's the next trivia question for you. It's not a trivia question, but it's just a question. The final was 83 to 54 in Lawrence. The Cowboys of Oklahoma State are 9 and 12, 1 and 7 in the Big 12. What is the future of Mike Boynton looking like right now? Unfortunately, one of the nicest, greatest dudes out there. It just it just hadn't worked in Stillwater, man. What do y'all think is uh in his future? He needs oh. to get him with Cade Cunningham. That's what he needs. <laughs> it worked for him once. I, I don't see them keeping him. I mean, they, oh, he man. was kind of one of those guys they had because Brad Underwood was a one and dunner there, right? Because he, he went straight from Oklahoma State to Illinois. He was at Oki State one year. So Boynton was his assistant. So they just said, all right, well, we're going to promote you. He got yeah. Cunningham. He had all that situation where the NCAA screwed them. Uh, and they did. They screwed them bad. Finally got in the tournament. I think took him to the Sweet 16, didn't he? Um, but Ooh. it's just going, he hadn't been able to sustain anything. And that's not a program 
number one, that's used to losing number two, that you could just have one good year every five. I mean, and the, and, mm-hmm. I, and the big 12 in all fairness is, is about to become, I mean, it's a bloodbath already this year. It was before this year, they added four really good teams. And now they're about to add all those pack 12 Arizona is coming into the league. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's going to be basketball wise. That conference is going to be greatly d- disgusting. So I don't know. I mean, I, I like Mike Boynton. I've always thought, uh, always thought the world of him uh, as a player and a coach. But uh, no I, question. I, I think it's looking ominous. How about that? Mm-hmm. Ominous. Yeah, it's it's um, it's not good. Long way to go in the season, but um, yeah, it's not good. And their losses really haven't been close. Marquette went to Villanova and won. They improved to sixteen and five. Uh, Illinois on the road at Ohio State. They got the victory as well. The Illini, 16-5 on the season. 25th-ranked TCU upset uh, 15th-ranked Texas Tech at home. That really doesn't help the Gamecocks much, but at this point in time, if they keep winning, they're just kind of standing on their own merit. Um, Texas Tech drops to 16-4. and TCU improves to 16-5. and And then elsewhere in the top 25, you had Utah State, uh, Dayton, and Oklahoma all as winners I, I thought this game would be pretty good last night for moby arena and it was san diego state and colorado state nico medved gets it done two programs from the mountain west that uh have a an excellent shot to not only get into the postseason but do some damage um so we'll see what happens there tonight you've got northwest northwestern is having a nice year but they might get punched in the mouth in West Lafayette at Mackey Arena tonight. Second-ranked Purdue will welcome them to town at 6.30. 24th-ranked Alabama is on the road at Georgia at 6.30 on the SEC Network. That's going to be one to watch because the dogs get the game next on Saturday. Uh, can they do it again, boys and girls? 18th-ranked Baylor is down in Orlando at UCF. The Knights have been upset prone at home this year. You think the Bears make it out alive or what? What do you got there, Matt? Uh, Ken Baum has it at three. Um, it's Baylor's an interesting team this year. I mean, they're kind of they've got, got one big win. Auburn, how good is Auburn? We don't really know yet. Um, I think Auburn passes the the look test, and I think Baylor passes the look test too. But you know, going from Baylor to Orlando. <laughs> That'll be that'll be a pretty interesting road trip. I think that's when you can see these guys slip up a little bit when you got to go across the country. And I don't know if that's probably a time zone difference, too, I would imagine. And UCS oh, a good yeah. team this year. It's definitely one hour. Yeah, yeah. it's only one Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, Providence at UConn tonight. That could be interesting. Have you all seen what Devin Carter's doing at Providence? He, he, looks, like a, he looks like a globetrotter. I mean, yeah. he's flying around dude yeah, that, yeah. and for those on. wondering yeah that devin carter frank martin's <laughs> devin carter that devin carter i mean he, yeah, is I mean, well, he was good as a freshman i mean he was yeah when he's he comes from an nba nba dad too you know anthony yeah. carter really good basketball player um yeah, yeah I'm, I'm surprised he stuck at providence after ed cooley went to georgetown yeah surprised was, he stuck uh, around strange, there yeah well, he did. Well, you never know. He's yeah, 29 the other night. I saw Providence is, you know, that, and look, the Big East is a really good league. I yes, mean, it is. Think about it. Fantastic. 
So yeah, Fantastic. Even, even, it's one of the top three leagues in the country, if you ask me. Big twelve, SEC, Big East. Yeah, that's yeah, a, I think then, so too. UConn's due for a loss. Right huh? Think so? At home, I think UConn's due. Oh, not tonight. They're due, man. They're due. UConn's oh, really, really good, man. You got? Uh, um, are you, are, Matt? You're, you're you're a late night guy. I can prove it because you host the late night game <laughs> show. Do you uh, do you stay up and watch the Mountain West? Like tonight, you got Boise and New Mexico at the Pit and Albuquerque. That that'll be a fun game to watch on Fox Sports One. It'll it'll be a good one, but you know I'm kind of a in bed by eleven o'clock guy. <laughs> um, sometimes stay up a little bit later. And there's Mountain West tip offs, and that game's at ten thirty tonight. Yeah. I might catch the first half, but you got a family stuff like that. It kind of gets <laughs> those <Yeah>. those nights. <laughs> you really value your sleep because in the mornings yeah. come quick. Get that chicken cock bourbon and pass out. I get it. Um, uh, RIP to Vanderbilt's basketball program. They have to walk into Neville Arena tonight, and Auburn is going to thoroughly embarrass them on national TV at nine o'clock on ESPN two. And then this one here, I'm really anxious to to get everybody's opinion of this. Florida is at Kentucky, eight o'clock ESPN. It's this place that they call Rupp Arena in Lexington. Um, you know, look, this would be you talk about signature wins for the Gamecocks. This this would also be one for the for the Gators. This has been a neat series for a while. But Kentucky guys, their last two games, as we well know, they have scored 62 and 63 in 80 minutes of basketball for a grand total of 125 points, which is only 33 points less than what they were averaging per game before they ran into this nuts. So, like, do they get it? They, both those games were on the road, you know, in Columbia and in uh, Fayetteville. I think they had a combined 37,000 people or something that watched them play those two games. Do, do they do they kind of find their groove again tonight at home offensively against the Gators? I think they match up well. Florida's a team that's a lot like Kentucky. And, and the game in Gainesville – Crazy enough, Florida was a three and a half point favorite heading yeah. into that one. See, Vegas, Vegas in this high on Kentucky is a lot of people. If you look at their the lot the spreads that come out for them, mm-hmm. uh, Florida led just about the whole way, and then uh, Kentucky came back, got a four point win on the road. Um, I think they're similar in style. I don't think Florida's necessarily worried about a lot of playing hard nosed defense. <laughs> uh, unlike their coach who went to Georgia that preached it. I don't think this guy does. It's a lot of offense. I think Kentucky will, will have a lot of freedom of movement. I think Musselman for Arkansas, they're so desperate for a win. I think they probably intentionally slowed the game down. Mm. Um, you know, they said, well, let's do what South Carolina did to them and, and see if we can spring one. And it was a six-point game in Fayetteville. But um, I I think Kentucky gets back up off the mat tonight and takes care of business against the 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 orange and blue. Yeah, Mad dog, you similar. Similar. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead, Phil. Well, um, I, I, know, I know Phil put a thousand dollars on this game. So, what, what do you think here? <laughs> here here's Dina, thing. did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah. What does what what Mike call her? Yeah, honey, if you're listening, JB has uh, been drinking the bourbon here this evening, <laughs> this, this yeah. afternoon. Oh, I, yeah, here's it'll be interesting to see because I think I, I like JC. I, I think I like Kentucky at home against Florida. Um, I, I think Tennessee needs to watch out against Kentucky coming into this weekend as well. 
because uh, I have a theory that these top teams, when they have to play a full 40 minutes against Carolina, it takes them longer than two or three days just to bounce back and be able to do it again. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, physically and mentally. So uh, Kentucky may get uh, the best of Tennessee at home. And uh, I, I look for Kentucky to go back to maybe not their 90 point game, but I, they're, they're going to put up 75, 85 points in this one. Um, so somebody said earlier, Matty Ice for you. Let's just go with Iceman because it'll flow <laughs> off easier. So Iceman. There we go. Yeah, quick note on that game. JC kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, Kentucky's defense ain't great. Guess who's is worse? Florida. Right. <laughs> if you can believe it. So but Florida Florida almost almost coughed up a 20-point lead over the weekend to Georgia, too. Georgia came there might be a little bit of hangover, hangover there. Yeah. You know, this uh, coming yeah. yeah. No, no, you're yeah. good. Go ahead. I watched most of that game. Georgia, Georgia, Florida got up big and then Georgia just kept chipping away, chipping away, and then they sent it to overtime. I think Georgia Matt actually had a shot to win it at the end. Like in I, regulation, they missed a missed a field goal. I was um talking to Mike after the Gamecock game, so I missed that. I met, met a friend and his um girlfriend for a drink over at um at Jocko's afterwards, and she was a she's a big Florida fan. Her um her dad actually was basically the the DC the David Collinger, Collinger of um Gainesville like a number of years oh. ago. So she's a big big Florida fan, and she was she gave me the rundown. She said that um you know she was pretty upset about it, but it was kind of it was kind of fun. But I missed I missed the end of it. I don't know what happened. I just know they coughed up a twenty point lead. <laughs> they did. Yeah, they did. Just looking at Kentucky's schedule, they got a random Gonzaga game in the middle of conference play this year. <laughs> I know. I, I saw that not long. It's on CBS on a, a Saturday afternoon. I saw that not long ago, you know, and you almost have to wonder, like, when, like, Coach Cal looked at the schedule, he was he like, what the hell? Did we – did I do that? You know? Like, yeah, right. Well, yeah, Coach, you – of course, they're not that good this year, Gonzaga. They're not, not the way that they normally are, at least. But no, Gonzaga no, needs that one. They yeah, need yeah, that oh, yeah. one big, or they don't have an at-large resume at all. And they do no, not. Yeah, yeah, they'd have to win a tournament to get in, which they do pretty much every year, except for the one out of five that St. Mary's finds a way to get it done. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was, St. Mary's yeah. and San Francisco. You're like these are the glory years of our basketball programs. But Gonzaga's in our league. Yeah. <laughs> if Mark Few misses it this year, he's been, he's perfect on head coaching record and NCAA tournaments. If he misses this year, it'll be the first time. Oh God! Then fire him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then you need to. They need to fire him. Mark That's Few. Exactly happening Mark here. Few. Mark Few. Yes. You see. Mark <laughs> Few. You're an abomination to the mighty. Gonzaga Bulldog Fire basketball him. program. Guy's trash. Brutal. I this see. Is the tournament once every 20 years. Get rid this of This is downright unacceptable. Sounds like at all schools. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back when Mark Few and they, they busted on the scene about 20 something years ago. And everybody's like, oh, God, Gonzaga played. Yeah. They played. A, they always have played a beautiful brand of basketball. And that was when uh, Fogler. <laughs> retired and people around Columbia were like, go hire Mark Few from Gonzaga. And, uh, and that, I, don't, I think McGee was like, nah, we'll pass. We're going to go hire Dave Odom. 
Yeah, that guy, he, he has a chance to catch K if he keeps it up. I mean, he's young enough, and if he stays at Gonzaga and keeps it rolling, he's got a chance to catch K. I have a lot of respect for that guy. I really do. Um, especially after they uh, they beat Carolina in the Final Four, the nice things he said about the team and stuff. And he, he's a he's a class act. Uh, just don't don't pull him over when he's drinking, though. He, he's not a class act then. <laughs> Yeah, we've all got our faults. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> makes me like him even more. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny video when that dash cam popped out. He wasn't he wasn't taking it. He was like, Do you know who I am? <laughs> this isn't gonna end well for you, buddy. Bob Cut, Bob Huggins pulled that stuff and he was in Pittsburgh and told him he thought he was in Cincinnati or Cleveland. Yeah. Uh I'm in Cleveland, man. Yeah. No, yeah, Huggy Bear's done that a handful of times. No coach, so. you're in Pittsburgh, sir. <laughs> oh, what's my flight? <laughs> so what? Who I am? Yeah. What's, your, what's your point, officer? Wait, <laughs> say today, just get in the river, go. The river, go. Just give me a barge. If any of you missed it, uh, to Dane Bradshaw for joining us earlier. Uh, great conversation with him on last night's. South Carolina-Tennessee basketball game, and uh, the rest of the SEC. We had him for about 25 minutes, so it was, uh, it was good, to, good to catch him. Obviously, thanks to Matt Anderson for joining us today, as he uh, now does in the middle of the week. Make sure you catch the late-night Gamecock show generally on Monday night. Monday night? Monday nights. But uh, after big top five wins on the road, immediately following those games, and whichever night it may be, with a liquored-up Mad Dog at producer. Uh, always thanks knowing that I'd be on the air. I'm like, all right, one beer per half, and then I'll have one on the show. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I skipped it all entirely. No bingo last night. That's why, that's why I popped on. I was like, yeah, I don't ever need to come on after I've done bingo ever. No. <laughs> no. When, when thanks, to, thanks to all of you, and always thanks to Mad Dog and Schubert. Uh, we will be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. as we begin to wind down the work week here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show served by Chicken Cock Whiskey.